What's going on, guys? Welcome to All Access Magic. I'm your host, Mr. Ryan Edwards. This guy over here is... Blaze Sarah. Welcome to the show. This is going to be a real fun one. This is a good friend of mine who is joining us today. Yeah. An incredible I'm... talent who kind of took the uh, magic world by storm with his first release. Yeah, I was going to say, this guy, uh, when he came out, like just kind of hit the market running, flying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, in, in your words, um, just absolutely crushed it. Uh, mm. And yeah, I'm excited. I've never met him. Fly, uh, flying like an early bird, mayhaps. That's, that's what I was I was trying to give. And you know, you know, you, 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 you know what the early bird catches, right? I was, I was like, I was like, he's going to miss it. He's he's, gonna no, miss I got it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <Flying> <laughs> like, I put flying in there. I put just flying in there. It's so uh, good. Man. You know what the early bird catches? I I don't. I've never heard that oh, phrase before. We'll wait. Yeah. We'll wait for the comments to answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because we are so excited to bring on the man, the myth, the legend. Wait, hang on a second. Wait, there's no last name. What we've got to do it twice. We've got to do, do it twice. twice. The the brand new legend. This the new new yeah, to be the legend. New the newly mounted legend. The new man, the 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 nightman, <laughs> the new myth. What was that? The new myth. <laughs> Let's just bring him in. Yeah. <laughs> the, new the new myth, the new the legend. New legend. Whoa! That was so bad. That is the craziest thing. <laughs> Or my apologize, Blaze was just a little behind today. He wasn't. Oh, dude, the, he didn't get the flying uh, reference. I got the flying reference. It just took me an extra second, man. Took him like two minutes. Dude, you said that it was a dad joke, so I was holding off on doing it in the first place. It, it still a is a dad joke. joke. That's why I threw it to you. I'm not gonna yeah. say the dad joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I could have moved on, and then you know I was like, you know, what? I'm not missing this opportunity. <laughs> you put me in, coach. <laughs> he threw a hail mary pass, and I sweeped uh, it up. What ah. is going on, Worm? How's things? Oh, things are great, man. Really blessed, really grateful. Um, happy to be here. Thanks for asking me to come. It really means a lot. I like speaking my mind. So, yeah, that's great, man. Well, yeah. The more opinionated you are, the more our viewers like it. So, Good. yes. So, the more opinionated, everything yeah. apart. I mean, our you can feel free to rip whoever you want apart yeah. or whatever you want apart because our viewers tend to. Uh, you know, tend to enjoy that. We've gained quite a few patrons when we've had uh, yeah. had yeah. guests who are more blunt. Uh, we had Elliot Terrell on, and Elliot, he loves to rip apart the magic community. And so when he did, we all of a sudden got a bunch of patrons that were like, yeah. we are signing up for you because of Elliot. So. Yeah. And speaking of which, there were a lot of people uh, last week that said, we're going to hold off on joining the Patreon until the beginning of the month. So if you want to be one of the people that help support us throw the craziest party at Magic Live in two weeks, then uh, join us on Patreon and support us. Beginning of the month, new month, new month, new you. That's it. Two weeks. So I guess I got to be super controversial then. Even more. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> if you can reach into your aquarium there and pull out a fish and <laughs> swing it around, I'm sure we get 10 more patrons. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then turn it to coins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> drop it back in. Or turn a deck of cards into a little fish tank. Remember that? Job oh, yeah. 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 
Yeah. What was that? That was a thing? Turning a deck. Yeah, it was an Omni deck with a fish in it. With a fish. A natural oh, really? Oh, I think yeah. I have seen this. Okay. Yeah, not like torture to a goldfish whatsoever to be I'm not. I've actually performed that. I've actually performed that trick. I'm not kidding you. Dude, the fish lives in for Virginia. at least two we're gonna, we're and a half minutes. We're, we're sending him off just for uh, This episode is brought to you by PETA. Uh, <laughs> I once wore a uh, a Mike Vick uh, Eagles jersey oh. in class, and he's now kicked out for animal cruelty. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Hey, hey come back! So I wore I wore this Mike Vick Eagles jersey, and then my teacher started freaking out the moment I walked in class, saying, yeah. "I am a PETA member." And she, yeah, she kind of really wanted me to get out. Oh, and yeah. I was like, "I like his. He's a good football player. He runs fast." Yeah, he was before he uh, went to jail. And then he was pretty much downhill after that. But, uh, he had a couple good years, dude. 2010 yeah. Eagles. 2010 Eagles fresh out of jail. Tigger says, am I still on timeout? <laughs> I don't I, I don't know what happened because uh, Tigger was sending some messages last week saying that oh, really? her account was on timeout. And I looked at it and it wasn't. But yeah, oh. I think you're all good, Tigger. I don't know what happened. That was rough, rough. <laughs> oh, that was Oh, jeez. That's, that's a that was, That's a real dad. That's a little dark one. Yeah. Worm. Now we started doing these um, originally before it was all access magic. It was magic after dark. And before it was on YouTube as a podcast, it was on Instagram live. And I know at the very beginning of the pandemic, you kind of did an incredible series of interviews on, uh, on Instagram live with some of the biggest names in magic. Some people that we've not been able to get on yet. Um, like that you just never see going on a podcast. So what was that experience like for you? And kind of what was the, uh, the whole impetus to start doing all those Instagram live interviews? Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened other than I think I was bored. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic, the lockdown, and there was nothing intellectual or as far or there's nothing planned in my mind. It just kind of was like the obvious thing. And I, you know, for lack of a better term, I got lucky in the sense that everyone was sitting around twiddling their thumbs. So people who are big touring or doing shows or just kind of busy with life, everyone was just sitting around wondering where the world was going to go. So yeah. it was really, it was really a great experience. You know, I got to meet, um, well, meet's a weird word, but I got to interact with a lot of great people and build connections and friendships. And uh, it was really a great time for sure. Yeah. Wow. Now, let me ask you this. Is there anyone that you interviewed that you were like, I'm never going to interview this person? Like, yes. It's not going to happen. Yes. <laughs> okay. Who was that? Who was like your number one that you were like, oh, wow, this is nuts. Um. I have nothing but I, I I would hang out with him um, for sure, uh, but it was very tough uh, interviewing Jay Sankey. I'm just going to put it out there. Oh yeah, Jay's from Toronto, uh, and yeah. he started following us on everything the last couple of weeks. Unless he he may just be following every magician trying trying to get more followers. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, sure. he's like I'm going to put out the most tricks. Follow the most magicians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I follow eight thousand magicians this week, I will get twenty followers back. Yeah, yeah I will uh, get back. No, I mean uh, Jay hits it hard with those DVD collections. And, oh uh, man, you know what though? Can't badmouth the guy. When I started doing magic, when I as a kid like the jay sankey dvds and stuff were the bomb because oh, they yeah. came with everything like ready to go and so many other dvds you'd buy it's like okay get out your glue sticks and all your other crap and here you go you gotta build something and if you were a kid that weren't wasn't good at building stuff like, like i've seen some kids with some terrible looking gimmicks like 
Uh, and Jay always kind of just said, here's everything you need, right? So I always appreciated that. Uh, I know he puts out like 9,000 different things, uh, and, but his reasoning behind it, I don't hate. Uh, because I, you know, I'm one that's always like, if you put something out, it's gotta be gold. But he said, I put out a thousand things because one thing might not be gold to me, but it may be to you. Mm. Um, cause maybe you have a routine that you use gigantic earplugs in. I have no idea, <laughs> like, but, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, crazy guy for sure. I'm sure that was a, a tough interview. <laughs> Yeah, I mean nothing against Jay. I mean I have a lot of respect for him, but that was a tough interview. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Now I feel like Ryan's question: Were you getting more at like who is somebody that was like such a big name or something that you were like, I can't believe that I've got them on here? Yeah. Um, if is there someone that? Well, I mean that was good with Jay Sankey, but is yeah. there someone that you were like? I mean, let's be honest. No, I'm I'm joking. I love Jay as well, but. Um, but is there anybody that you were like, I, I don't think this person will ever come on. And then they just said yes. And they'll come on. Um, gosh, I feel like I felt that way with almost everyone, to be honest with you. I mean, I Good think point. I, I kind of try to live by like the, the first mistake that you make is when you start thinking that you're successful at something. And I think that just be, just being grateful that I was able to get people on was really a great feeling. And I, I was surprised. I think Kalen, I would say like Kalen was a real, was, I didn't mm. think I could get Kalen on, but yeah, you know, Kalen and I had interactions in the past. Mm. And, and again, I think everyone was in a state of kind of uh, not knowing what to do. Mm. And that, that was, I was shocked at that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's probably a big amount of mutual respect there with the the gimmick making expertise. Um, like, and I think that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize, especially if they've only their only experience of knowing who Worm is is because of um, your release Cyber, is that you are like a master craftsman when it comes to gimmick making, and that's a whole other talent of yours that like people haven't even seen because your release your first release was a technology one. Um, but do you have some gimmick things coming in the pipeline? Yeah, so uh, back in October, I released uh, Apollo with Nicholas Lawrence. He's a great oh, friend. yes. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great friend of mine, and I was showing him some stuff, and he just added you know, a major component to what I was working on, and it just kind of took the trick to kind of the market rather than just the trick. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I have right on my whiteboard here just tons of, I got maybe like 12 things. Uh, all of them are gimmick stuff. Um, a couple mm. are in the works and i um, just really excited for the future. Um, but yeah, I've been working, you know, behind the scenes for I guess about two years now. And I just started um, building a couple of pieces for the open market through the magic Facebook groups. Mm. And then I'm going to be doing a project on, you know, Nicholas Lawrence's label where we're going to nice. be putting out something that's customized that people can customize. So, Wow. Nice. So, yeah. All right, so let's see it, Worm. Let's see the behind the... No, I'm joking. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, exactly. Let's see everything. Can you turn your camera to the list? Let's see the list. Yeah, yeah. can uh, we just see all your ideas? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for I just want to take a second, though, and give a shout out to... Uh, is it Sarah Mary Solbello? Oh, uh, yeah. Who we just got... Uh, all right, uh, right. S-A-R-A-I. How would you yeah, I didn't know if it was Sarah, Sarah or Sarah... Yeah, uh, but uh, but uh, yeah. Thank you so much for joining the uh, the Patreon. Thank you for the support. 
See where every you everybody who joins the Patreon during the episode, you'll get a shout out. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna pronounce your name to the best of our ability. Best of our abilities, <laughs> yeah. Can that's what we should do is butcher the names on purpose, like mm. really just mess them up. Like yeah, and then we'll we'll say them right after. Oh, really yeah, yeah, after we screw them up. We should just mess them up. Yeah. So we've got Sasha. Um, yeah. thank you so much for joining. Sasha Mary Gold, uh Sasha Baron Cohen. Mellow, thank you. yeah. <laughs> So, but thank you yeah thank uh, you so tigger much for said, the page tigger said cool. that would be me nice oh tigger, tigger we didn't know your tigger. name thank you for joining thank you wow um that's awesome uh so see worm just a little controversy, uh, a goes little controversy. that's all it takes all you got to say is jay sankey and, <laughs> and everybody joins thank well, you you're part of the family we're going to be doing a game night real soon with all the patrons so uh thank you for joining and uh get a heads up about that what were you going to say worm um no 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 just about jay sankey uh i gotta say like i do love his paperclip i do swear by that, mm. that trick for sure i think that uh, i have a lot of respect for jay but yeah sorry jay never would interview again here's never would interview uh, again <laughs> yeah. yeah i'll create the controversy around that because paperclip is a fantastic trick uh and then uh markel Brees released his own c or oh yeah oh and i I really like mark mark's a good friend of mine and um yeah it was it's amazing too when i saw it i went i at first i was like oh you're just doing paper clipped and then when he got rid of the piece and i was like what (laughs) it's like that's crazy so uh yeah yeah fantastic but i was just saying to check out marks as well yeah they should everybody should check that out as well but uh i know I know Jay was ticked off. I think about that. And there's been lots of controversy around some different tricks, some card tricks with that. And there's controversy everywhere and stuff. Yeah. So mm. Jay's from Toronto. He just likes fighting. That's all I got to say. He just likes fighting. <laughs> Canadian Canadians guy. are not known to be fighters though. Would you say that? Oh, well, we like to wear flannel shirts and throw down every once in a while. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I feel like maybe as a polite culture, you just bottle up all of that rage oh, and that's then good. all Canadians die in this like just great ball of fire, like full on fight. I mean, we're big hockey guys right over here. And so, wow. uh, you know, it's like one of the only sports that you can like legally just get in a fist fight in and, and you're okay. No one goes to jail. At the so end you just let the rage out on the ice. Just on the ice. That's it. We yeah. only fight in hockey. So. It's like creative expression. <laughs> uh, speaking exactly. of creative expression, Worm, how did you get into gimmick making and magic in general? Like, how long have you been into magic? Um, I start where well, I got into magic at probably around seven, eight years old. Stopped mm. at eleven and then picked it up at thirty-two. So mm, there was like wow. a really big gap. Um, small hands, big gap. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I went straight to the gimmicks because it's like, you know, my sleight of hand at eight, nine, ten years old. I mean, nobody. T- that, so back then, that was uh, 1989. Mm. And back then, very different world. I mean, you had to have you should have had a mentor because learning from mm. books, you know, what do you how, how are you going to learn uh, finesse from a book? So mm. uh, not having that, you know, getting in back into magic as, you know, pretty substantial adult, so to speak. Um, I went straight to the buying gimmicks and uh, just kind of became, you know, these collectors of magic tricks and and showing friends and family. And I just became obsessed and I wanted Mm. to create. 
And I think the big part of creating is just knowing what happened before. I mean, any art form, knowing what worked, um, mm. being inspired by what you've seen, that really just kind of catapulted me into going full force. And, you know, learning from, from, from tutorials as much as I could. And I think, mm. I think at the end of the day, it's like, you gotta go where you're good at. I'm the type of person that doesn't wanna practice anything. I wanna practice something that I'm ultimately immediately good at. Mm. That's why I kind of initially or really stayed away from sleight of hand because it didn't come naturally. And then building and, and creating and, and having this, you know, mind in this direction, that's where I went. And I think mm. anytime you put a lot of energy into something you're initially good at, you, I think, can go really far. And I just kind of made a decision to go in this sector mm. of, of magic. So. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah, I don't understand the uh, immediately good at thing <laughs> at all. Well, he likes to try to do things that are stupid impossible. And I'm with you, Worm. I think the more you can work on your presentation and, and you know, and work on something that you're good at right away, the better. No, no, I appreciate both sides. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, well, and also the stuff that Worm creates also is like stupid impossible immediately because he's like innovating with gimmicks. And yeah. Stuff. So it's like, yeah. And it works every time and looks amazing every time and it's visual and it's not as boring as a card trick. So there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of pluses. Yeah. Game. That's uh that's always the thing I like, like, <clears throat> I know Vanishing Ink did a big uh, study on it. it was with card tricks and, and magic in general. Right. Uh, and the thing that's nice about, you know, doing things that are so different with gimmicks and stuff is like card tricks got bunched in and people couldn't remember what mm. the card tricks were. At the end of the study, they just said they yeah. did some card tricks where when you hit them with something different that, you know, is unusual. So like some type of gimmick or something, I think it, it, it's you're they're more apt to remember that at the end of the day. Right. They're like whoa, no, he did this thing with this item instead of, and the study said that as well. If you could pull something into a card trick, it instantly made it more memorable mm. uh, because it, they were using something different than just a deck of cards. So, Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah I, I think that um, ultimately uh, just a visual is great. Um, but for me, it's, it's, um, it's more about like, um, I guess, a a commentary on the human psyche or, or hum the human condition like cyber is about connection, right? I'm working on a trick that's about the perception of value. So I really like to kind of start with something that is a foundation of what human connection is or really human behavior. And then how does current culture today, how can you implement current culture, whether it's objects or a thought process in the in together to create that trick? So for me, it's, it's more about that and yeah, the visual is extremely important, but um, I don't know. Listen, I mean, I think car mm. card tricks are great. I mean, there's there's card tricks that are extremely memorable. I mean, I believe I think your double agent is extremely memorable. I, I remember okay, seeing yeah. the uh, guitar, right? Um, oh, I probably won't oh, go into it, but that was memorable. I always remember that. Oh, that was fun. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I haven't done that for a long time. I seen the pig cake comment come in, and you. I know. Oh my up. gosh! And like, me just holding in, trying to laugh. Like, pig the cake, we're not putting that one out. But uh, but I do so like bad. this. I do like Lindsay's comment. Um, that Blaze uh, Blaze wants to ask friends little foot and Sarah. Actually, it was this one. It was uh, Blaze wasn't born in 1989. We're talking prehistoric hairworm. Guys, uh, so you know, I'm, it's I an mean, ongoing joke that we make fun of how young Blaze is. Um, 
but uh it's just because i'm too compassionate to joke about how old you are (laughs) that's it that's it (laughs) just wait till you're my age Uh, oh Oh, one day one day let's give it a i'll start start pulling when i was your age blaze but yeah the pig cake comment oh pig cake really cracked me up um is pig cake here yeah, he's here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I love pick cake. Yeah. 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 You can see the uh the chat. It's on the yeah, side. Yeah, you see the comments on the side there. Uh oh, I gotta <laughs> click. Here we go. Yeah, he's got the second last one. Oh yeah, baby. Well, he called me daddy today, so wow. See, you're you're moving up in the world. Pig cake, uh I remember I was uh I was talking to somebody at Black in Blackpool, and then Pig Cake just jumped in interrupted the conversation and then he said uh <laughs> he started asking me if i knew what docking was um which <laughs> and then i'm not gonna get into any more of the details but yeah. it quickly derailed the conversation uh. um and you know that's a proposition i'll never forget um <laughs> but <laughs> now uh so yeah we were talking about the differences in like visuals and things with card tricks um worm is that is that match thing still in the works is it anything happening with that yeah it's you know i mean i think anybody that creates can say that you work on so much and you jump around and um no it's definitely in the works i think the thing too is that most people that buy tricks or just simply buy tricks don't realize how much work can go into it because you're talking about mass production. Like I probably could come out with the mat, that matchbook trick um, immediately, but it would just be extremely limited. And cause there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of hurdles, a lot of challenges with mass producing that trick. But oh, wow. I mean, I'm Brazilian and I don't take no for an answer. So it's going to happen. At first, I thought you said you were Brazilian, but you're resilient. <laughs> you said, you know what? I'm Brazilian. That's how we are. <laughs> now, here's a question for you, though, on that, because of I know you said like limited runs. Do you think that that's a, a bad thing? Because uh, I know a lot of like Pete McKinnon is a guy who will bring out like 20 of, of an item or something like that, because then it creates that want right it's a supply and demand where if it sells out and everybody loves it then you know when the next you know 50 or even with the legacy wallet like they made a hundred of them right and they sold out in an hour or something and then they're like okay the next hundred will be made in a month or two months right yeah i'm not against that at all i think i would be more pro i would i really would focus on that one you have an expensive trick Although this might be an expensive trick just because there's so much that goes into it as far as time. But, you know, prior to entering magic and and me really being embedded into art, I want to share that with as many people as possible. So it's kind of like my Mm -hmm. first thought. And then I would agree with you, like, of course, I would want it out regardless. Mm -hmm. I really just want to focus on as many as I possibly can so that people can enjoy it. Because, I mean, listen, mm-hmm. we're all buyers of magic. It's always bummed out. Like, there's several tricks that I want that are sold out that haven't been, you know, and, and you, I can't even make it just because it, it requires a, fa- a factory, yeah. make, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not off the table, but that's what I'm trying to go for, even for spe- specifically for this. So. Mm. 
Is that one of the biggest bottlenecks with trying to put out an effect, especially a gimmick creation, is like getting it manufactured and having that all sorted, you know, for something especially intricate? Yeah, I think I fall into this trap where a lot of the ideas require a lot of R&D. And uh, there's a couple of things in the works. And I was working with a factory and, it's, you know, a whole debate. I'm sure everyone has their story with factories. And unfortunately, you know, you got to go to another one and, you know, bummed out. You know, it's like kind of throw money away and, and kind of go down that path. So I think I, I, I love my ideas. I love the things that I'm working on, but I just come at peace where a lot of these things take time and it's not just, you know, something that's easy to get out in, in three or four mm. months. Yeah. D and when you create, it's often with the intention of putting it out to magicians as the focus rather than with the intent of performing it yourself or how many of the ideas do you kind of keep for yourself and just do on your own versus having the focus of like, my intention is to release this to the community. Yeah, it's definitely not me wanting to perform it. You know, I'm not, I would never say I was a performer, although I, I think that might be on the table at some point. I'm not mm. opposed to really anything when it comes mm. to, to magic. Um, but uh, there's things that I keep for um, lecture, like, you know, when I start doing lectures, um, I think there's things that are maybe down the road just, just for the sake of it, you know? But uh, but ultimately, no, I think art is about sharing with as many people as possible. And I just I think I have a different ideology when it comes to sharing and magic um, yeah. to kind of bring up the topic, you know, the topic at hand with with David, David's um, studio um, class that a lot of people are talking about. Yeah. And I think that it's great. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome on many levels. I think that by charging the two hundred dollars that weeds a lot of people out. Um, it just creates kind of serious people. Um, mm. But also, I mean, if someone had to ask me if, if I had anybody to teach magic to, to people who wanted to learn that was willing to, I would say that David would be one of the first people just because um, kind of his ideology and mm. what he's done for the community. Um, and listen, the more people that get involved in magic, the more innovation there is, the more creators actually can make more money i mean everyone wins from that and i think that there's not going to be like 20 million people buying magic tricks you know these, are, these aren't socks mm -hmm. so yeah. if, if we double the community size it's not going to change magicians in being able to give entertainment to people where they haven't seen a trick you know it's kind of yeah i i was going to say i uh, heads up i think david is going to do another tour very soon uh, because Asi posted uh, a photo thanking David for allowing him to perform with him at oh. uh, uh, the thing in, in New York City's library or something like that. Yeah, that wasn't the Science Museum the science format. Museum. Yeah, yeah. And and it's like uh, that's where they used to work out the. Yeah, before David's yeah. last tour, when we talked to Asi, he said they would go there and just run through things for the show like a hundred times in a day. Like they would just do ten minute shows. And so it sounds like David is going to use the, you know, he's brought out his uh, master class kind of thing. And now he's going to catapult into another tour, it sounds like. So, but, uh, but yeah, I, yeah, well, I, I heard rumors that he's thinking about a Vegas show. Yeah. 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 I know he did a show in Vegas a few years ago. Well, that's where they did the bullet catch. Mm. Uh, was they were going to do it in Vegas and stuff. Um, and he did it during Magic Live, but it was very wow. like hush hush, like 10 people were allowed there and stuff. But uh, wow. yeah, that would be pretty crazy. 
Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, because, I mean, have you if you've seen his live show, I mean, it is one of the craziest shows because he's doing stuff that no one else wants to oh, yeah. attempt to do. So, well, uh, and a lot of it are things where the method is the effect. Yeah. And that's and, where it's and like, I think yeah. that's the genius. I mean, when he came out with Real or Magic, it just set, set the stage because it took the feats that he was doing prior and it really drew the line between uh, is it magic or is it not? Where yeah. before, you know, people were very, you know, the general public, I think, was very skeptical. Oh, he did this, he did that. But I think when you have something close up, and you're able to show something where people do question whether it's real or is it magic. I just think the philosophy is, is genius. Mm. Mm. Something that really inspires me. His work really does inspire me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I know you said that you don't see your, you don't call yourself a performer, uh, even though you've, you've got some tricks that you're holding on to. Back when I met Worm, he was performing a lot yeah. more. I, re <laughs> I remember the Instagram at the, I remember what Worm originally yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say, what's the end goal for you then in, in magic? Is it to be a consultant? Like, like I know I, you said that you were, you were chatting with Kaelin and stuff before and me and Kaelin are, are friends and, you know, he's consulted for everybody on everything. Um, is that is that your end goal is to be consulting on on everything or to or just to be releasing your your stuff? No, I mean, consulting for sure. You know, I mean, um, Blaine did one of my effects. Um, I did some stuff for uh, Shin, Xavier Mortimer and, you know, other people, even, you know, magicians to, that are kind of restaurant or workers stuff yeah. like that um and then i'm working at the there's a show at the roosevelt right now Derek uh, King. yep and um yeah i would definitely more and more i think um my goal would probably be um stage stuff so uh, not illusions but uh stage oriented theatrical side um utilizing technology stuff like that mm -hmm. i would say that you know maybe commercial i think the problem with commercials or movies is that the general public doesn't see it as a magic trick because they just yeah. assume that it's CGI and edited. But yeah. When you see a live show, um, it's, it's it's a different animal. So I would say that that would be my my end goal. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. End goal is so, a weird phrase, but so, so back to the guy. No, no. <laughs> From the performer to the consultant, back to performing. No, it's great. It's great. Uh, I like Tigger T says that uh, she can't stop looking at the house of cards. Are they glued together or does it go up on every time? Fish's <laughs> water has changed. So this is going to be an advertisement for Blake Voigt. Okay. This is yeah. the, card, the card castle that goes all the way down into a deck. It's a magic trick within itself. If I can remember how to do this. You say it looks like there's a lot of pennies taped on that. That's not yeah, it's uh, for did I? I don't think I did this right, but something like that. Yeah. So. Oh, nice. Oh, we just right. broke his house of cards. Just broke it. Nice. Nice. There you go. That would be so funny if every single time you wanted to change the yes, fish's water, like, you needed to just... <laughs> Feeding the fish, he's uh, so careful to do it so he doesn't yeah. knock everything yeah. over. Just like, oh no, oh no. Well, there is a really good trick with cards and water, and I forget the name of it, but I think Di Vernon created it. Mm. The selected card, and you um, uh, spring the cards into and the, it's the water. Only one. Yeah. It's so, it's so beautiful. It's like 
it's kind of his ideology where the method doesn't matter whatsoever. It's the effect yeah. that's, I forget his exact quote, but I think that trick is a perfect example of the, of his philosophy that the trick matters way more than the method. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. I, love it. I love it. Yeah, I think I saw Eric Jones do that. Uh, yeah, on a boat, on a yacht. On a boat, on a yacht with a bunch of girls, like in bikinis and stuff. The Ignite girls. <laughs> Back yes, when Ignite was yes, a thing. Ignite, oh God. Back when oh, Ignite God. was a thing with Dan Bilzerian. And then he just, uh, yeah, and then he just does that trick. And he's like, I've been waiting so long to be able to do this trick. <laughs> I do remember that. That was that was a couple years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a couple years ago. It hasn't been yeah. years. <laughs> so now another thing that you do outside of the whole worm brand and everything is uh, is Global Magicians, and that's you and Alistair, correct? Yep. Um, yeah. So how long ago did you start Global Magicians and kind of uh, and decide to uh, create one of the uh, the biggest now uh, magic sharing channels? Yeah. It was in 2018, probably right around, I think it's beginning of September. Alistair would know. Um, uh, yeah, it's weird. Uh, we were joking. We joke a lot that people probably don't think he exists because when you go to his Instagram profile, there's no mm. pictures whatsoever and it says cybersecurity. Uh -huh. So therefore, <laughs> I came out with. So, yeah, so I mean, he's one of, he's, uh, he's a good friend of mine. We talk, you know, every week, a couple of times, mm. and um, he's just very elusive. But what happened was, is I was performing for a celebrity and this, this person posted it on their Instagram of like 20 million people, right? Mm. And so a bunch of people, you know, hit me up because the, the culture is like, let's attach ourselves to everyone that knows someone <laughs> that I want to want to know, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Alistair at the time, he was young, I think maybe 17, hits me up and he like legitimately was like, hey, how do you perform for celebrities? And at the time he was really into magic. And I just told him, I was like, listen, you just got to get yourself out there. And the more you perform and the more you get yourself out, the more people you're going to meet. And um, we kind of just kept in touch. And he um, asked me, he goes, oh, I was thinking about opening a magic account that posts magic tricks. And I said, well, actually, I opened an account last year that died out that I just because at that time, that was two, actually it was 2016. And mm. there was very little videos that people were doing magic. And the ones that I found were you know, they weren't really pr provoking by any means as far mm. as like, you know, excitement. Yeah. So, um, so I was like, no, you should do it. Totally do it. So he does it. And we, we kind of talk and I'm, I'm, I guess, consulting with him, giving him some ideas. And I just came on board maybe a couple months later and we just hit the ground running with it and mm. been a really cool team. I mean, he's kind of off hands off. Right. You know, as of recently, he's, mm. he's uh, very much into like what he's doing. I mean, he probably won't, you know, cybersecurity, we'll call it like that. We'll call it cybersecurity. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's been a really great blessing and it's been amazing to connect, not just connect with magicians, but to really see what the community has been working on and how magic has come so far just in a couple of years because mm. of social media. It's, it's amazing. I, I love it. I mean, oh, listen, don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot of things on social media that we can all say that, that are pretty <laughs> cringy and like, no, no, no. But aside from that, there is a lot of great stuff that's going on. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely uh, <laughs> a lot of bad magic. But at the same time, there's a lot of great, incredible people and 
you get the someone who's just starting out in magic gets all of this context for like what good magic looks like, you know, because of looking at, you know, curated pages like yours. So it's amazing. I, yeah, I just wanted to address this real quick. Gia asks, is, is that will they have any updates with cyber? Yeah, actually, um, there is a pro version. I've been testing it out and uh, it's kind of, you know, I would obviously I want to get it out as quick as possible. But since it's a collaboration, you know, you work with a company. Theory 11 is amazing. But, you know, again, there's a lot of things that go into collaborating with companies and, and all of that stuff. So I'm hoping to get it out this year for sure. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, that's I was going to say with app stuff, too. It, it's tough, right? Because, uh, you know, we talked with Craig Rostami and stuff and things are always changing every time they release a new phone or operating system. It's like, oh, got to go back and do all the coding and stuff. And then what works on one phone doesn't work on another phone. And it's it's got to be a logistical nightmare. nightmare yeah. uh, Dude, at, at one point I was like, I am never, ever <laughs> even considering an app ever again right mm -hmm. and guess what i'm working on an app, app. <laughs> i'm working on a new app so i'm yeah. really excited about this one and um it just infant stages but i'm very excited about it so it's funny how i was so adamant when the trick came out and things were shifting and you know mm. i guess i mean listen even just for apple to approve of your app and you're at the mercy of them from every angle is no. very is like nail biting because it's i didn't think they were going to approve this app because mm. of the way things were written and anybody that could think about what's going on here like this oh this might be because apple's very i don't know if people realize this but apple is extremely um careful with, with security or really locked down mm. like a lot yeah. of the stuff that like a lot of stuff that cyber does the only reason it can do it is because i'm piggybacking off of something else I'm, I, you can't even program the way that I would want to program it, although it still works. It works exactly how I want it to. So uh, th those are the things on top of kind of the whole bugs, Apple always changing. And, you know, listen, it's it's been great. It's all worked out. And um, it's pretty much worked out for most people that come out with apps, I think. Most of yeah. them. Well, I, yeah. I realize that's why a lot of people started doing like the um, subscription-based apps was because... Uh, I remember talking to a couple of the app developers a few years ago and then saying like, it's great because you get paid a lot of money up front when you release the app. But then, you know, people want it forever. And then as phones mm. change, you're now going back to work to, to change it, but you're not getting paid again, right? You got paid for your initial work. And so like yeah. it, when when uh, Blaze released, uh, you know, the one arm bandit and stuff, it's like, okay, he's done his work. That's it. Right. But there's no like he doesn't have to go back and change anything. He can bring out 2.0 if he wants to, but he's going to charge more money for it. But people expect that you're going to reprogram everything to work on the new operating systems or the new phones because they bought it like two years ago. Right. And it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's probably one of the downsides of, of app magic where it's like, oh, like you know you're you're dependent on someone else uh to hopefully do do a job that they're no longer getting paid for yeah yeah i think there's a lot of so yeah i totally agree and i think there's a lot there's solutions to the kind of those hurdles and uh one of them because you know i mean the subscription-based stuff yeah if you're a worker and and this is your thing by all means but as we know most of the magic market is is not is not that Mm -hmm. And those are the people that I do try to think about. So 
it's like, it, God forbid, <laughs> cyber stopped working. I mean, it is what it is. You, you fix it, you make it, you make it work to the best of your mm. ability. Yeah. But if there's something so different that has to be done, I mean, I think charging money again for the app is better than a subscription in the sense that if people would understand, but obviously coming out with an update uh, is, is dicey in the sense that like how much time are you putting into it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, it's all about building the app. I mean, listen, I'm not going to, there are a lot of apps out there where there's so many effects and we're building it and that's where you run into that problem. Right. Um, if the app mm -hmm. stops working all together, it's up to the creator to really come out with the app updated and try to figure out a way that makes sense for the people who already have it can get it right yeah yeah if the whole thing has to be scrapped right yeah well i saw where there was one app developer i won't say names but uh like last year uh during covid re or his product crashed basically and he re-released it and said okay i'm gonna sell it for ten dollars or whatever to everybody that owns it or two dollars uh and then the issue was i guess a bunch of people were telling friends to go and buy it and then he all of a sudden, without any warning, jacked it up to like $50. And then everybody's oh, yeah. complaining, going like, what? Like, I, so I didn't buy it again for the $2 or $7, whatever it was, because I was like, oh, I'll just get it tomorrow. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the next day, it's $50. And I'm like, what the heck? It's oh, like, well, too many people were downloading it. And it's like, well, like, you know you need to figure it out better than than what he did but uh and then after that he just said i'm scrapping my whole company basically wow I'm giving everything over to someone else uh which is which That's is crazy. crazy but yeah i feel awful for greg uh whenever i see the inject facebook group because that is one of the most toxic groups i'm a part of yeah. it's just these people they'll be like it's not from the cafe Oh, aside yeah, the from the cafe, cafe, the cafe is said groups that I am a part of. I just can't even yeah. sign on to the cafe anymore. <laughs> oh, um, back in the day, I worked for I worked for Illusionist way back in the day, and so part of my thing was moderating or looking through reviews that people did for just like swearing or you know telling how the trick was done. And this one guy was just super rude to Laura London on her first release and was just ridiculous in his in what he said. And so I I didn't put the the review up. I said, like, this is vulgar, it's not good, you know, it, it doesn't do justice to anything. Is this card and bottle? This is yeah, 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 card and bottle. And and I mean, yeah, it's not the greatest trick in the world, but it's not like the worst thing ever. Um, and this guy just went nuts and was sit talking about women and magic and everything else. And I was like, no, del delete. This is stupid. Uh, this is just toxic to the community. And this guy went on the magic cafe and started, he said, this is what I wrote and wrote this very nice thing. <laughs> and I'm like, the cafe is just so full of bullshit all the time. It's like just people hating on things or people just downright lying most of the time. So. Yeah, dude. I mean, <laughs> just saw Lindsay's comment. He's thought about the land before time. Um, uh, yeah, I remember after uh, after my second release came out and just spending so much time on the Magic Cafe, just refreshing and seeing the reviews. And then I had the email alerts whenever somebody posted about my release. And I would just get so heated and argue with these people. And I'd be like, you're misrepresenting the product. And it's really annoying to me i mean there was some one guy that um wrote a review 
and he gave it like a pretty low rating and then he elaborated on magic cafe saying like oh well they say that you can name any card but like there's like six cards in the deck that they can't name and i'm like what are you talking about you're just making up like (laughs) the same it works with every card what are you doing like just make and now like now so that's gonna raise doubt because somebody's gonna go like oh wow it doesn't work for every card like there it's false advertising it's like no it's just a false review like the guy just didn't know what he was talking about so it's it's just i needed to just stop (laughs) engaging with the with the magic cafe do you still engage with it worm i imagine you probably get more frequent reviews for cyber like uh than i do anymore yeah i mean apollo was was last with nicholas lawrence and um Actually, it was it really wasn't bad. I mean, cyber was decent as well, but I think the problem was, or I, I really trying to put out the fires when they started, so I totally get the refreshing thing. And when you come from an angle of uh, you justify every you know you've thought about this for a long time, you kind of give your input and um, you kind of cross your fingers and hope someone's going to understand your point of view, and that's all you can do. Because yeah, at the end of the day, they're they're customers and. Um, Listen, I've, I've, we've all bought tricks where we felt um, very different than the creator, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not for every, you know, it's, every trick's not for everybody. But at the end of the day, I think the cafe, at least for me, serves the purpose of seeing the hypercriticism and being able to like over, you know, it's like you can get angry at that. And, and, and don't get me wrong, there were times when people were responding to things that definitely got me angry. But um it helps you become a better artist because ultimately it's like everyone wants every box checked, you know, inspectable, practical, easy to do. You know, it's just like the perfect trick, which we know does exist, but are rare when they're actually really, really good. And uh, just, you know, at least for me, it inspires me to kind of check all these boxes to make these people happy for the sake of, you know, it makes me happy that I can fulfill. It's like Bob Martin, you know, you can't please everyone time so yeah it, it, it acts in that way for me as far as inspiration to, to mm. put out the best stuff I just, I, I just wanted to clarify what blaze said as well about you know not being able to name some cards uh you can't name the two jokers the double backer the ad card that you thought were double backers but slightly different and have no purpose <laughs> See, this is what i'm talking about you can't name those you can't yeah. name those you're, you're right maybe the uh, joker if you say uh, you know black and white joker or color joker oh yeah maybe. true yeah maybe. man those damn those damn double backers and ad cards i just yeah. uh, <laughs> snuck up on me i asked him to name any card but i already threw out the damn ad yeah, cards. Yeah. that's i told him next time a magician says name a card i'm gonna say ad card you asshole yeah asshole uh, amazing <laughs> you know it, it was interesting where when you were talking earlier about you know about it just when you say the word artist i remember there was an al- an analogy it was either like gabby Pereiras or jared Koff or somebody that made this analogy but that magicians are less like painters and more like gardeners because like where instead of making one piece and putting it up the, on the wall and it's there and now everyone can come see it, you're forever tending to and pulling weeds out and trying to perfect your like harvest. Um, but then when I hear you talk about artistry and the fact that you're coming at it not from the performer angle, um, I almost get the feel that you are more like a painter 
than a gardener because it's not like you're trying to put on a show that's getting changed every single night. It's like you're trying to share your creation and your idea with as many people as possible. And the means is through like mass production, but it's kind of like you make the idea and then it's out and that's your way of publishing it. Yeah, I, th I think that's right. I think for me, it's it's both. I mean, Paul Harris has an amazing quote in uh, Art of Astonishment. I think it's volume one. And it's something along the lines of astonishment, you know, is, is not an emotion that's created. It's an existing state that's revealed. So there you kind of have the gardener there where you're revealing something that you put into, I guess, action. But ultimately, it's, it's me kind of living vicariously through the performer. It's like if I was, I think that's what good art is. And I think that's what good magic is, is when you can put yourself literally fully, completely abandon yourself as much as, as much as possible. And you enter into the performer and you enter into the spectator. I think that's where, you know, it's at, I don't, whether it's the gardener or painter, I'm not sure, but I love those mm -hmm. two analogies, but um, I think that's where it's at is that magic is always embedded into us. How do we, how do we reveal that within ourselves? And mm. if you're not a performer and you're not the spectator, you have to become both those because I hate to say this, but the creator is nothing. Even though the creator is everything in terms of like the beginning mm. point, the end point is not the creator. The mm. end point is the emotion, is the feeling of magic. And that's experienced mm. through not just the spectator, but through the performer mm. is experiencing magic. That's why people, when we all perform, we get excited. There's something that's drawn out of us. And I think that that is where it's at. Whether it's the gardener or painter, I don't know, but I'll, I'll let you be the judge as mm. far as like for me, because I, yeah. I think it's beautiful. So where do you get the, oh, where are you going to say, Ryan? I was going to say, that's, that's really, I've never heard anybody say like the creator doesn't really matter because really it is the performer that, that hopefully is drawing the emotion from that person. And that's the great thing is like, if all three of us went out and did the exact same routine uh, or the exact same trick, not the routine, but create our own routines around it, it would be three totally different tricks uh, yeah. and, and and different emotional impacts on the people that we're performing for. Because, you know, so Blaze may relate it to his life story or worm to your life story or something and, and you know, and impact people differently. So that that is a really great thing. This is the first time I've heard someone say, the creator doesn't matter uh, because at the end of the day, uh, and I think, I mean, I'm going to say Copperfield would be uh, like, Copperfield, obviously Copperfield is helping create his stuff, but like the stuff he does on stage is so emotionally impacting or has been previously in the past, like the greatest storyteller. That's why he's there. It's, it's why he's the best forever is mm. because he was the end uh, of everything. You know, he, even though he had his hand all the way through everything, but like his storytelling is so much better than everything <laughs> else's. And that's why no one compares. So, uh, yeah, yeah I like I, that. I'm a huge Copperfield fan. I saw David Copperfield in 1992. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was, I was like, when I saw it. <laughs> live the yeah. dream. I think it was. It was just flying. It was David Copperfield. I, I was there too, guys. Yeah, Blaze, Blaze, I, dude. Blaze wasn't even thought of then. Dude, I was chilling back in 92. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> And uh, when I saw that, when I saw that uh, live, uh, you know, I was 10 years old and it was unbelievable experience. What you're describing as far as storytelling, the theatrics, um, really drawing emotion out of people. I mean, you, I saw it in the crowd and um, I was lucky enough to have Copperfield right next to me, one, one row back because he was doing Kevin James floating rose trick. 
Oh, nice. It's such a beautiful trick. And there's a funny story actually behind that. Um, so prior to the show starting, uh, I noticed there was someone from the crew, probably one of the producers, um, that switches out, like, that literally says to the people behind us, says, hey, do you guys want better seats? <laughs> They're like, sure. So they brought them up and then they put these two really attractive couple, these, these yeah. model, right, mm. behind so that David could have, you know, a nice couple, right, instead of the couple that he didn't want, right? Yeah. Wow. And it was just really, really cool to kind of see that as a kid, to see the back end of magic. And um, obviously, they, there's, they weren't in on it or anything. That was obvious. Yeah. But just to kind of being able to create the story, to be able to showcase um, how, you, how, you, how you want to portray your magic. And I think that it's more about that than it is about doing the trick. Because kind of going back to what I said, if you have no one to perform your trick and you have nobody to watch the trick, I mean, what is there? There's just yeah, the creation, and there's a guy in his bedroom creating. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Don't got much. It's funny that you said Copperfield was like right by. I had the exact same thing when I was a kid, except uh, so that he was doing the the vanish of the thirteen people over the audience. Mm. So I created a sign like I was going to a WWE event. <laughs> it said, "Pick me, please," and I had it in front of me the whole show. And Copperfield did the trick where he vanished uh, a woman and him, and they went to the island. Oh yeah, yeah uh, and stuff. And so, uh, just before that trick, this stagehand or person from the, the theater comes and says, "Excuse me, sir, can you put the sign under your seat?" I'm like, "It's been here for um, like an hour. Like, what? What the heck?" And next, so I put it back, and there's seat right beside us. And David comes in and sits down, and I'm like. Holy shit, David Copperfield sitting beside me because there's a giant fan right beside mm -hmm. us, like one seat over. And so then he jumped up on the, the fan and throws the stand up and stuff. But it was crazy because it was like one trick in the show that I was like, oh, this is really crazy. I'm not 100% sure how everything is working because uh, I was like 10. And then Copperfield came and sat beside me and I'm like, oh, I know how that worked. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of like, but it was cool to see the, like what happens and stuff and like how much like the stagehand coming to ask me to move mm -hmm. my sign because he needs a clear path and like, you know, can't take an extra second to just step by it or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw that. Sorry. I got to point out to blaze. I saw you laughing so much. Because, oh, yeah. uh, it was, uh, it was Lindsay's comment again that says, do you feel like gringos when blaze pronounces Latin names authentic? <laughs> <laughs> and I can say that cause I played, soccer. I, I played soccer oh, in I Guatemala. So and so every time I got the ball, uh, I was playing with a bunch of guys from Guatemala and so every time I got the ball and ran down the field, everybody yelled El Gringo uh, and stuff. So I feel oh, like yeah. that's, a, yeah, that's authentic. Yeah, it's authentic. It, it, can you say, can you say Gabby's name again? Just one more time, please. No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, because it is great. Blaze does it all the time. He, he just authentically says it. And it's, it's awesome. I just I say people's names how they say their names, you know. And I know what I mean. I tried um, it when we when we spoke Korean, and that was not a good idea. <laughs> you know, we spoke Korean with Jackie. It was a great time. You yeah, know, we yeah. sounded a hundredly percentedly correct. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Do you think it's a little time for for red? Maybe I, I was thinking so. Okay. Yeah. All right. After the jingle, do you care to explain what this means? As I run briefly. All right. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Like, are you talking to Worm? Wor- I was like, I'm not sure. Worm. Worm. Are you ready? Are you ready for? Sure, uh, ready for, for he's, he's you ready for? He's not ready. He's not ready for it. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not ready. Okay. Three, two, what is right. time? Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. It's time for 20 questions. It's time for 20 questions. Yeah. It's time for 20 questions. It's time for 20 questions. Yeah. Put two minutes on the clock. Put two minutes on the clock. Put two minutes on the clock. Two minutes on the clock. Here we go. All right. Blaze is. Uh... Oh, he disappeared. He's disappearing. He'll be back in like 30 seconds. I do like, we'll bring this up while he's not here. Lindsay said, I respect that blaze. Legit wasn't a dig. Uh, I, I'm going to say it's a dig on, on him anyways, because he does pronounce every Spanish name as correctly as he can, uh, which is great. Which is great. But uh, so Worm, what's going to happen is blaze is going to bring up two minutes on the clock. Uh, we're going to ask you 20 rapid fire questions. We're going to go back and forth. Uh, if you can give your best, most honest answer, because uh, sometimes we'll get a guess that just says, you guys, you guys, you guys. Uh, but good, authentic answers and see how far you can make it. And there he is. All right. I always take so much longer than the jingle. Yeah. You, the jingle's like 18 seconds. Okay. <laughs> He's like, Dude, run. It's enough time. <laughs> so- if that's enough time, that is too quick (laughs) no no, it's not enough time clearly um all right now you you got the gist right yes so oh yeah i'm ready for sure three are are you ready for the other ones blaze oh wait for the new ones yeah wait are we doing the new ones no that's okay we won't do the new ones i was gonna do the new ones just for fun but if you want to, well, you do question one, so I'll just go sure. with the flow based on whatever you choose to do. All right. All right. So, Worm, you got nine, eight, seven. I think Worm's old enough to know this. So, it's five, four, three, two, one. Favorite Spice Girl? Sporty. Square root of 64. Uh, eight. Mm-hmm. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck could? <laughs> wow, wow, dude, you butchered that. that. Screwed that up. It, it couldn't because it's ground. If it's ground, if it's groundhog, then it's not gonna chuck anyone. It's gonna be hidden. Anyway, what is ahead. the quadratic formula? I know this. X equals negative B plus or minus square root B squared minus four AC divided by two A. Yes, bro. Wow. Yes, my man, dude. That's- Dude. What? All over to a... we're 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 gonna start the two minutes again. We're Those, were not, minutes. The Those are not the real questions. But oh, they are. Questions. It, dude. Wait, they aren't. No. Those aren't the real questions. But he was not thrown off by favorite Spice Girl. No, dude, you are the better Homer Lee Wag. Yeah. So we we said that. So Homer what? Homer we had Homer on the show last week, and Homer okay. decided he was gonna watch a bunch of episodes before he came on. And write down his answers, uh, basically. So he he memorized the top 20 or the 20 questions that we ask. And so I got on here with him early in the afternoon just to do a tech check and stuff. And he told me that. And so I was like, oh, I called Blaze. I'm like, we are totally coming up with some new questions. So he already was giving us answers before the two minutes started. He's like, um, you know, he I forget what he said. We were getting ready. And he's like, uh, Star Wars... Da, 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 right episode three or right you know whatever it is 
And uh, so then we asked, what's your favorite Spice Girl? And he's just like, Oh, oh, oh I, I didn't what? study for this. He's like, I don't know any of these questions. It's like it's so. like if you stole the answer sheet for a quiz and mm-hmm. then you show up and now it's in a yeah. totally different order or a totally different first question. You're just like, no. I had that happen to me <laughs> in university a couple of times. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, my math teacher in high school, that was uh, amazing because they she made us memorize the quadratic formula. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. good, man. I Dude, did not I, I told you that it was worth it to put it in there man it was i knew i knew someday we would find I mean, yeah i did not think it was yeah was i forgot the teachers i remembered that but i forgot the teacher's name so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's a, so how good of a teacher all right was so you? now you now we've got seven seconds six until the real question okay three two one dream vacation destination japan biggest pet peeve Laziness. Biggest mistake during a performance. Uh, staying silent. What always makes you? What always makes you laugh? Oh, God. I don't. People slipping and. Uh, <laughs> What's your secret talent? Uh, yo-yoing. First time you ever saw a magic trick. God, five years old. Spongebob's from a clown. If you have one superpower, what would it be? Um, teleportation. Do you have a dream performance venue? Oh, God. Um, anywhere in Las Vegas. Uh, most cherished memory. God, I can't believe it. Um, maybe we're talking about uh, the Copperfield 1992. Mm. Favorite yeah. food? <sighs> Anything Asian. Mm. Uh, favorite movie? Oh, God. Oh, so many. Um, I'm going to say to Willy Wonka and Sunset Boulevard, the original Willy Wonka. What's the worst job you ever had? Oh, God. A customer support for a piece of software. Uh, favorite magician? I'm just going to say Copperfield and Blaine. I, I know it's cliche, but. If you won the lottery, what's the first thing you'd buy? Oh, my God. Um,. I would uh, buy a seat onto uh, whoever was going to space. I would buy a seat. Uh, what's your most highly recommended magic product or book? Magic product. Oh, man. I would say The Art of Astonishments, the, the three set. If you could remake it. Oh, we lost. We're out of time. Mm-hmm. 15. 15. You, you were on such a roll. You had like 30 seconds left at like 13. Yeah. And then the last three just slowed you right down. Yeah. I hate rushing answers, so mm. I don't know. I want to I want to be I want to be as honest as possible so I can look Well, back we've got and... we've got a couple. We can ask the remaining questions. We, but we know that you made it to 15. All right. So uh, that's funny cuz that's what Homer said he wanted to give like good authentic answers and so that's why he studied all of his answers beforehand cuz he didn't want to be rushed. And he was like it's like, you know, being spontaneous is a good thing, but not in this situation. <laughs> so he was awesome. He's super awesome to have on. And, and, yeah. and we then had, we just forced him to be spontaneous with yeah. all new questions. Um, if you could remake any movie and star in it, what would it be? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, oh, God. Um, the Game. 
He just thought of pig cake. He thought of pig cake. Thought of pig cake, and he's like, "There's a whole genre of movies." (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Would you rather feel like a potato or look like a potato? Uh, Look like one. We got a good question. You're gonna put a filter on. No, no, we got a good question though. Uh, Oh, I remember those days. If you had one wish, what would you wish for? Teleportation. Uh, favorite toy growing up. I can't even remember. I don't even have. I have no idea. I must have did something with myself. I, you know what it was? I listened to records a lot. Such a bad answer. <laughs> that, that goes down in the history books of the worst answer during 20 questions what was your favorite toy growing up i didn't have one i just played with myself <laughs> i must, just I must have did something with myself yeah that that was the most authentic bad answer of <laughs> so good well you know what I, I used to make i used to make things out of cardboard and paper so it was more about imagination than anything else, but I knew as soon as I said that, I was like, uh, "You were using your imagination a lot." Using your imagination. <laughs> uh, and then, do you have a favorite sports team? Oh no, I don't like sports at all. Don't like sports that's at the, all. That's the number one that's the thing. Now we got a question. Yeah, um, this, is a, this is a good one. It, oh, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to hit it? Uh, Lindsay says, I got one more question for him. From a creative standpoint, where do you find inspiration? I missed the beginning. Online? Books? Do you use audiobooks? Any recommendations? Um, I would say for me, it's a combination of two things. One is try, you know, really getting into buying tricks or figuring them out and knowing the methods and keeping that in the back of your mind. But also really just looking at the, the world. Uh, I mean, it's like, okay, um, pizza, what can I do with pizza? Well, like even today I was thinking, all right, what can I do with a pizza slice? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could have smoke come out like heat, a little glowing red, and you you just wave your hand and now you have pepperoni on the pizza. Mm. I think that just looking at objects, whether like um, you're outside or anything like that, like I'd say it's like cyber was created by looking at something. And then kind of saying, how can I apply this? Because this is magic within itself. And mm. I think just seeing magic on a daily basis, if you can, um, if, if you can look at something and, and gather that mixed with knowing methods and, and knowing materials, mm. I think that's one way to look at it. But it, it just depends upon the person, um, I think, at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because there's so many different sources of inspiration. But Lindsay did have a follow up based on their uh, second half. They said, So, do you have a what audiobook recommendations in particular? Are you uh, like an audible book guy? Um, I'm a book guy that skims. I'll say that. I'm the audiobooks are, um, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I'm thinking, I don't think I ever listened to an audiobook. Oh, I've listened to. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold up. I've listened to YouTube videos on instructions and stories <laughs> through audio. But I've never <laughs> technically listened to an audiobook. Oh. Well, that's just a shame, and we can help fix that. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to dive into the world of audiobooks, there are many magic audiobooks or podcasts or shows available 
at audibletrial.com slash magic. There you magic. go. Look at that. If, you, uh, <laughs> if you'd like some free audiobooks, it doesn't cost you nothing. You just go to audio, audibletrial.com slash magic. Help support the show. It doesn't cost you anything. You get some free audiobooks. Oh, and- boys, you you froze. Look, he's smiling. So <laughs> I'm so happy. So good. You're I'm so happy so saying happy. audibletrial.com slash magic. It's like an infomercial right now. It was a smile. So happy about <laughs> audibletrial.com slash magic. Lindsay, uh, what a great segue. What a uh, great segue. I, I love barely, <laughs> I almost started Lindsay. crying. I, Dude, I was trying so hard not to just I die had laughing. To just fully cover my face because I was laughing so hard. Uh, Lindsay is, uh, he's one of our regular listeners and patrons. And so we ask about audiobooks every episode, but Lindsay gives us the perfect segue every episode to ask yeah. that question. And so he's he's the best. Uh, he's but, the best. I mean, it's just the smoothest, smoothest. <laughs> transition and you've ever seen because it literally feels like a magic trick. It's just straight misdirection. Yeah. Most people go, hang on a second. Was all like, of that just audiobook. a segue? You mean audiobooks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so like audiobook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the books with the 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 sounds. It's My like, face you know, went instantly red, like oh, just yeah. beat red. I was like, I'm gonna start crying. I was I was trying so hard to hold it in, especially got, when I saw Lindsay's second comment going. Yeah, that got <laughs> Wait, me. No, worse. what about the audiobooks? <laughs> Yeah, it got me worse than the pig cake comment earlier for sure. I was like, I was laughing at that one, but Lindsay almost made me. Is the Juan Tamarie book um, Magic Rainbow on audiobooks? I'm like, Magic Rainbow, weird, yeah. That would be a weird book. It's actually Blaze. Blaze is actually reading that one in uh, his Spanish accent. Yeah. <laughs> He does his best one Tamarie's impression. Oh, his, nah. I was gonna say, even the singing he does. Dude, <laughs> I do it. It's so good. It's um, a random. It's a random. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you say how do you, how do you say uh, sh- Mesa? Oh shuffle, 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 Can you yeah? That's Dude. my favorite part of any Spanish performers. How you say uh shuffle, shuffle? How you say a shuffle? Oh so good. Ah, so yeah, it's It's uh, hard to come back. Now, the Magic Rainbow is currently only available as a book, um, and highly recommend the book. But did you know that you can (laughs) read with your eyes and hear with your ears? Because you can absorb twice as much information. (laughs) This is a hundred percent. This is a hundred percent scientifically proven. No debate that if you get an audiobook on Audible, you can listen to that whole book while reading <laughs> your whole paper only book. And you're I'm gonna be so I'm laughing too hard. It's uh it's hundred percent proven. Go to audibletrial.com slash magic. Yeah. You know, grow your brain today. Ah. <sighs> I don't know if we can recover from that. Check out our <laughs> podcast. That's our recommendation for yeah. this week. Just check, check out our, our podcast on Actually, Audible that you're already listening to. I will give a recommendation, but you got to give me a second. Um, I, you, well, I don't know that. Oh, Alexa's actually looking for a book for me. Um, but uh, you know, you know who brings you Alexa is Amazon, the Amazon. owners of Audible. AudibleTrial.com. <laughs> <laughs> Worm's like, I hate you guys right oh, now. He's, he's going to go feed the fish. Worm, um, on here for a long ad read. 
(laughs) sprinkling your life story in into an ad read um now you were in the art world prior to magic right yeah what sector of the art world what were you what were you doing i uh focused on photography and Mm. uh had few shows in New York City, uh, showed at uh, Art Basel. Mm, nice. Showed, yeah, and um, it, uh, it was a great time. I, you know, I learned a lot, um, and I was able to really kind of express my ideas through photography. It was mostly film. It pretty much was all film mm. photography. And um, decided to go more commercial and started with commercial photography, managing photographers, and then got burnt out. And then during while I was doing that, I picked up magic again and uh, was kind of hobbyist, what I would call like a drawer magician, Mm. and decided to kind of make the jump and switch to to magic, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Do you feel like that photographer mindset uh, carries over to how you approach magic? Yeah, I, I I would. I think the thought process and really any art form you can just apply elsewhere. But I would say that with photography, I mean, a lot of photographers just, you know, shoot, they have to create, you know, they do this, they do that. But I, I really wanted to kind of come up with methods and techniques. So like one of my techniques was I would take the negative, I would actually put it onto the floor. I would scrape it a little bit, have dirt on there. I would scan it in so that now you're looking at a kind of garbage photo with hair on it, right? Mm. And people used to come to shows and they used to touch it and try to, you know, knock it off or whatever. So, yeah, it was it was all about that. I mean, I liked um, putting my thumbprint on the back of the print and then actually selling the negative with the print. So you're not even, you're literally selling your master. Mm. So I, you know, again, I kind of take magic of that. It's like, what can I do and push this a little bit further? Mm. And uh, it's kind of, I think, what I take with me in any, any, any type of creativity that I do. I think. Yeah. Wow. As you said, that's a cool coming from the photography background into magic. I mean, magic is about creating that moment, right? And photography is about capturing the moment. Uh, and so, when you're creating magic, is it? Are you? you know, pushing yourself or, or when you're consulting, pushing someone to that pinnacle visual moment where you're like, this is the perfect picture. So like when Copperfield does the floating rose, that is a perfect picturesque moment, you know, when you're doing this, even though we all know how it works, but, but there's something like he's got it where he has the person, you know, doing this and stuff where there's all of these moments that could be captured. Mm. Is that something that you look for when consulting for people? Is it like, you know, let's make this like a, like a photo? Um, I think that, um, you know, when photography first came out, it was magic within itself. I mean, people, I mean, especially cinema, people were, now we've become so numb to the moment, right? I think that now I do think as much as video, is the new standard, so to speak, as far as connecting with people and capturing moments, even though they're emotion. Um, I would say that that in-person feeling, that that actual progress from the routine with the performance to the end is, is yeah, is, is really a moment within itself. I mean, even though it's a moving moment, it's, um, it's something that I think is as strong as photography used to be. I'll say that. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, I mean, mm-hmm. 
Does anyone know how digital cameras actually work? Very few, very few people. And it is within itself actually kind of magical, I would say. Mm. Um, but, you know, there, I, I, I always said when I wanted to do my shows with photography, I wanted someone to enter in as a, at a fun house or as a haunted house. It wasn't just like pictures hanging on, the, on a wall. Um, there was a camera, which I'll put out there. It's called the Yashica N8000. And it has four lenses on it. And um, I don't want to toot my horn, but I started this uh, concept of a moving photograph where it slides back and forth. I don't know if you've ever seen them before where it kind of looks mm. like a 3D effect and it takes a, a, a photo, four, four different lenses, it takes the photo at the same time at just minuscule angles. And when mm. you look at it, it literally looks so, so 3D because you're literally dealing, and, and to be able to do that with a GIF and to be able to convert to a GIF where back in the 80s, you actually had to have lenticular, it was lenticular prints. Lenticular, yeah. Mm. So it was always trying to find <laughs> Uh, something a little bit more, but uh, kind of going back to your question, um, I would say absolutely, one hundred percent, one hundred. I uh, I was trying to pull up say, this, uh, yeah, this Nishika, the N eight thousand. That is, wow, a, that's kind of a crazy looking camera. Wow. It is a piece of garbage camera. It's a toy, yeah. but. When you use that camera, you get the film developed, and when you then scan each of those frames in and overlay them on top of each other and turn them into a GIF. It, not only that, but when I was doing scratches, you would see a bunch of scratches start moving on the screen as if it's like, mm. so. Hmm. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. there's no lens for that thing. <laughs> like, it's like uh, lens casting yeah. or it can't go on there because it's like just four, like I was picturing this big honking thing. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be like four big four lenses, big but it's like it's built like, in, that's kind of crazy. Four little wow. dots on there, like. Yeah. Um, there but, was something you mentioned earlier, Worm, that seemed uh, it kind of struck me that seemed interesting. Um, and I was wondering if we could like elaborate on it a little bit, a little more, because it seems almost oxymoronic to say as a magic creator to be like, well, the creator kind of doesn't really matter. I, I don't want to misquote your words, but it seemed very interesting to be like, well, the what matters is the experience of the performer and the spectator, and I get to kind of vicariously live through them. So the creator doesn't really matter. But you're a creator, you're a creator yourself. So it's like, how do you juxtapose those two things to be like a full time creator in magic, and also to be like, well, the creator doesn't really matter. Yeah, I would say that I, you know, I, I'm not going to get too esoteric here, but. Um, I, I, I love dichotomies and paradoxes. Mm. And I think that two things that are opposing could be still true at the same time. Mm. And I really do believe in that. If you, if you forget yourself, you will find yourself. Because, mm. I mean, we, tr we hold on to so much that we think we are. And it's true to an extent. But if you just let back and remove yourself from yourself... And it's just staying in gratitude. It's staying in humbleness. It's staying in that my work doesn't really mean much. It actually then means a lot to other people. Mm. And then because of other people's joy, you then receive joy. So mm. I think that it ultimately is about other people first. And then that dichotomy is then it actually validates you 
not you taking their critique or their and filling up with yourself, right? Your, your, happiness not, your happiness is not dependent upon that. But when you forget, you kind of put yourself on hold. And then when you see other people enjoy what you've done, then it literally, you've, you've become back into the picture. Mm. And that doesn't, if no one, listen, if nobody liked something I did, that, it doesn't, that doesn't matter to me at the end of the day. What matters to me is I'm putting something out. I'm, I'm being true to myself as best as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And you walk away from it. There's this like Andy Warhol philosophy. And he's a big inspiration of mine from a philosophical kind of mind. And it's like you create so much or you keep working on things while everyone else is so focused on something else that you, you did prior that what you did ultimately, it's not that it doesn't matter. But that's just a piece of you. It's like your fingernail. It's like, you know, your hair. It's anything that is just going to be dust in the wind, so to speak. And I, mm. I think that that dichotomy of that the creator doesn't matter. Um, but yet, yes, it does, because that's the starting point. It's like, what's more important, the, the, the seed of the rose or the rose? Mm. You know, it's like we don't say that a, seed, a, a, ro a rose seed, so to speak, if that's what it's called. We don't say that that is a rose. Right. Mm. But that holds every single thing. So it, it's extremely important. So yeah. the dichotomy is true, is that the seed is the rose, though, or at least philosophically speaking, it still is the rose. Mm. Well, and I, I would say as a performer, <clears throat> when you perform for someone, uh, you know, if if Worm created, let's just say, ambitious card, just because everybody will know what it is. Uh, you know, you're going to go up to a spectator and you're going to say, hey, check this out. Uh, this is something, maybe something new I'm working on or whatever. But at the end of the day, they're not going to like that. The credit is going to the magician that's performing it. And the magician is never going to go. This was created by Worm. You can find him at www. You know, and so it is the the that that end goal is to, to perform for the audience and to, you know, have a you know an emotional effect on, on the rest of their life hopefully right but at the end of the day the creator of that is not getting any credit because no one is going and, and i think as someone else that's done a lot of consulting i think it's something that you really need to take yourself out of it when you're consulting because it gets really tough to go like you know if if shin does something mm -hmm. or you know when david does something for you not to go i created that you know because you potentially couldn't create the same, you know, emotional effect that David could, right? And so it's like... Well, I think it's all one and the same. I think the magician, the spectator, and the creator are one. I think, you know, again, like, I like esoteric things, but like, and I'm, you know, I don't try not to come off hippie-ish, but it's one, it's one of the same thing. And if I need to be validated, my own validation is through myself, right? So if I know mm. that I brought joy to a magician who bought the trick, who then messages me whether they don't or and, and like this is amazing and i look at all these and people send me videos it's you know it's it, that excitement alone it's like i don't need credit you know mm. yeah you well, it's, get the fulfillment yeah i mean that. i would agree if, if something is going well and you physically see it yourself or you're getting messages you know that's the joy that you take from that but uh, yeah, I would like I'm saying, and I, and I would agree. If if you're consulting on something and you see it go really well on stage, you know that you had a part in that, whether you're getting credit for it or not, uh, because you know, especially on stage, like if if you're consulting for Shin, Shin isn't going to turn around halfway through the show and be like, "And ladies and gentlemen, that's the guy that came up with this. Come mm -hmm. on out on stage," 
you know, it just doesn't happen. But yeah, I think that um, you know, if if I was a full-time performer or I would let's say or say I would call myself a performer at some point, um, it's all about the spectator. It's always about the spectator. So it's like the tricks that I did that you know would be in my repertoire so to speak i picked them not because i liked them i picked them because i want to see how a spectator reacts so yeah. i don't care if a trick um is what i prefer i want the spectator to number one my number one thing is how can the spectator touch the, like how can the spectator be involved mm -hmm. i want the spectator whether they're touching the object or touching my hand or of some some sort i want that connection because i remember there was a time that I did a, a coin bend and I was outside of a bar and the way I do a coin bend, I'll just throw this out there is I get the spectator to grab my wrist. So we're bending it together. I want you to squeeze my wrist. Mm. I'm squeezing it together. Right. And I put their hand out. Right. And as the coins bending in my, between my fingertips, they're squeezing with their other hand and it falls right into their hand. And I forget what she said, but I remember, I don't know what, how it came out, but I said, no, 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 we're, we're collaborators. I call it a collaboration. This is a collaboration. And, you know, uh, she was kind of shocked by that. And I was shocked because I was like, I don't know where my words came from. But no, I really, it was that, it was a moment that I realized that it really is a magic trick is a collaboration between all three entities and sometimes two if the, if the magician did create the trick. Um, but the ma magician creates the routine from a trick. So it's, it's really just a happy marriage at the end of the day. And as long as the magician is making it about the spectator, and as long as the creator is making it about the magician, you're going to create great magic, mm. whoever whoever's is involved in it. So then <clears throat> that's, that's kind of interesting is like, I think you touched on it a little bit earlier. Then where for you is the moment of like, gratification or validation or something because like as as a performer you get the immediate gratification of the audience freaking out to the performance is it for you the um seeing videos online of people doing your routine or is it just seeing the sales numbers and knowing there's somebody out there that's doing it and i'm making money so that's great or is it like the messages that you get of people that are you know that are supportive or the reviews like where is it that you get that moment of like gratification can be like, Oh, I'm proud of, you know, this thing that I put out and it's working and people are getting something out of it. I think it's a conglomeration of it all, but prior to let's say cyber release or, or Apollo releasing, I was way more excited and fulfilled before mm. anyone got their hands on it. Mm. And it reminds me of which another inspiration of mine is Hitchcock is that Hitchcock was bored by the time he filmed. And he said that he was like, I'm bored because he already created everything in his mind. He wrote everything down. He drew every diagram, every shot out. Mm. And that's where I think the absolutely listen, the money and the reviews, you know, seeing it, Britain's got talent all for sure. No doubt about it. But if I compare before the trick came out of me watching the final trailer, really indulging into it. I mean, Blaze, you were the first person actually <laughs> that I messaged. I sent you a text. Yeah. I still have it. Yeah. Where I said, dude, I came up with an amazing phone trick. I got to show you, right? Yeah. And there was no happier moment than previous before the release than everything. Mm. Else. And don't get me wrong. Yeah. All, but it was a little bit more exciting, a little bit more fulfilling prior to the trick's release when I realized mm. how beautiful 
And it's not about me. It's about the trick. It's cyber that's beautiful. You know, it's Apollo that's beautiful. It's the stuff I'm working on that's beautiful. I'm just a part of this process, you know. Mm. I, mean, I wasn't given this life, you know, it's like I wasn't given, I mean, I was given this life. I was, you know, it's like everyone has their yeah. talents, everyone has their things. But at the end of the day, if you just do your thing that makes you happy, um, you'll know it's the true identity of you because you don't do it for anybody else. Yeah. Even though, yes, all of that stuff does add on top of, you know, your own fulfillment. Absolutely. Yeah. I think right there we have a gold nugget mic drop moment very true absolutely man okay. yeah <laughs> that's it what that's it. <laughs> that's it that's it um i like T tigger t says uh so if you do a trick that we're happy with is it okay to reach out and share with the creator i think that's an amazing thing if you can because uh, i yeah it gives that person the you know the pat on the back to say, you know, great job. And then it's always great to hear that people love what you create. So, yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of um, videos and a lot of people reaching out even still to this day of just that alone. And um, yeah, it, it, I, I don't know, you know, it's, it's weird. Cause like when someone says that I 100% believe them, but I can't even uh, feel like what that really means other than through other creators where it's like this trick right here made me feel so good mm -hmm. that I got to perform. So I get that at, at that level because ultimately it's like you want a trick that you feel comfortable performing, that you really get a great connection with the spectator. Mm -hmm. And I guess in some cases for people, they want to feel good about themselves that they made somebody excited. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, listen, everyone gets into magic for different reasons and um, no reason is m better than the other. But um, to be able to live vicariously, like you said, Blaze, through someone else is a really cool experience. Hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I'm just looking through the uh, the chats. Yeah, there's there's yeah, a bunch there, of chats. There's a bunch of chats. <laughs> Lindsay's are just this hilarious. Is a story on how to get a girlfriend. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Some of us go get back. How do I go back? How do I hold hands with a girl under the guise of a coin bend again? <laughs> <laughs> that, okay, that that's, was the best question. That's amazing. That that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Is it almost time to ask the most important question of the evening? I was thinking it might be almost time. Um, I might run this time so that okay. you can fill in. Yeah, uh, dude, I'm ready. There's only ready. okay. There's okay. This is the. This is great. This is like the best podcast I've ever been on. I've never <laughs> been on two others, but we we, uh, we have a lot of fun with this one. It's uh, <clears throat> so why so I started the original Magic After Dark on Instagram was to meet magicians off stage because you know all of us usually are performing on stage and spectators really you know they might get to meet you for a minute off off the off stage but not really get to know you. And so I thought this would be a cool place to come on and get to know people uh, and who they are away from the cameras or the stage and stuff like that under the lights and just be kind of crazy. And so we like to derail this show as many times as we can uh, because it, um, we just have fun with it. <laughs> so this is, yeah, we, yeah. So remember how we had, you know, deep, deep talks just now. You know, yeah, it's, it's gonna get so almost, much deeper. Almost theological talks. Like, oh, I'm I'm ready. Almost theological talk. This is probably one of the most theological questions you will hear ever. 
may in life. I think so. Big build up. This is a big build this, up. Okay. This is something that, you know, we've been doing the podcast now for uh, probably uh, about a year and a half, maybe something. Yeah. Like isn't that. that crazy? It's yeah. nuts. It's nuts. Uh, and this is the number one question that we ask throughout the entire show to every guest. Uh, it's staple in the show. We are steadfast on this. We're steadfast. We're committed to this. And this we, is we will do this until the end of the show. If someone were to ask us, what is your show about? This is it. This is it. That's it. Worm, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know. Ready or not. Here, Here we come. Lasagna! Lasagna! What's your favorite genre of lasagna? Meat. Lasagna. Veggies. Lasagna. Plain. Lasagna. Saucy. Lasagna. What's your favorite genre of lasagna? Keller. Lasagna. Cheeses. Lasagna. Bolognese. Lasagna. Lasagna. Plain. Houdini. What's yours? It's amazing, man. <laughs> now Ryan's gone. <laughs> Dude, this is this is the vibes. That's it, man. We got That's a it. yeah. We got a question for you. Yeah. Have you have you ascertained as to what that uh, that question is? Uh, what's my favorite genre of lasagna? You got it, man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so confused. So, now, now, out of all of the, oh, Ryan, I was perfect, perfect timing. I was just explaining that you know, out of all of the lasagna genres, what's your favorite genre of lasagna? What's mine? No worm, worm. Oh, I was gonna say, whew. our guest of honor. You mean the type of lasagna? But what? Whoa! What's your favorite genre of lasagna? Genre of lasagna. This is some like I'm. I'm out of. Nah, I mean, nah. I don't like lasagna. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, out of the, show. the podcast is over now. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody, Thank for joining us out to the show. Um, what a Ooh, dick! That, wow. What a dick! Doesn't what like lasagna. Uh, I hope. I hope that early worm, early bird. Yeah, he him. gets the worm. I didn't know there was different types of lasagna. Whoa! <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> I. You know, I want to. I want to show this out. Is it, are these foreign answers? Are these four? This is like a first. <laughs> I mean. I mean, you you're not necessarily more confused than any of the other guests. <laughs> that ever come on yeah. the show. Uh, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is the funny. Ryan, have you watched this podcast before? <laughs> I'm like, I didn't understand that. Yeah, I definitely have. That's why I kicked him off. <laughs> uh, this is the funny thing: is today during the day, I got followed by this uh, group on Instagram, uh, Mama Yolanda's mm. Lasagna gourmet lasagna 
which is in Hamilton, Ontario, right by uh, me. So why, why does it got to be over in Ontario? Man? I, I'm going to shout them out and see if they'll sponsor me to eat some lasagna on the episode. That would be amazing. Yeah. That would be sweet. Yeah, we got to we got to reach out. Worm, if you were to name a favorite genre of lasagna, what would you say? If you don't like any of the genres that exist, we're totally open to you I'm making very up your ignorant, own. So you have to give me a list. I mean, you can <clears throat> make up your own. Yeah, we've had some pretty crazy ones. Triangular cut lasagna. How about um, butternut squash lasagna? Ooh. With butter and I like it. I like it. See, look, I gotta come back. I gotta come back. <laughs> Mama Yolanda. Yeah, Blaze, correct Ryan on how to pronounce <laughs> Mama Yolanda. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Mama. Mama. Madre. <laughs> Madre Yolanda. Madre Yolanda. Sí. Uh, so, yeah. So, I like that. I like that. Butternut squash lasagna. That's, that's, that's an a, interesting That's a good one. one. That's unique. Yeah. Yeah, oh, with God. butter and nuts. <laughs> That's oh, I wanted, oh, I just saw Charlie's. I just want to give a shout out to Charlie there. Yeah, Charlie. Reheated. The Charlie only right answer is reheated. Reheated. Yeah, that was Colin Cloud's answer. He said microwaved reheated second day lasagna was his yeah. favorite genre. There was someone else recently that did that as well, that they wanted uh, like day old lasagna or something. I'm more of a stuffed shells kind of guy. Mm, stuffed shells are pretty... Pretty bomb ass dank ass. Yeah. <laughs> bomb ass dank ass. Dank ass. <laughs> yeah, dank ass, bro. Dank bomb ass, ass dank oh, ass. I think he said stank ass. So it's like <laughs> you are lactose intolerant, Blaze. Maybe after having a stuffed shell, you do have a stank. bomb ass dank ass, bro. I'm not lactose intolerant, bro. Just, you don't know what I got. <laughs> everything. You don't know what I got. You're allergic to everything. Um, <laughs> no, bomb ass dank ass perp skirt. Have you guys not seen this? I have not. Oh man, bro. <laughs> Let me pull it up. So, oh wait. So this leads us to our follow up question, Worm. I think you'll enjoy this one significantly more. You, you know, in your quadratic formulas and everything, quadratic equations. <sighs> if you were to bake a butternut squash lasagna, and then you were to bake a second identical butternut squash lasagna. Identical. Ryan, you want to take it away? And then you took said second identical lasagna and you place it atop the first identical lasagna. Do you know have one lasagna or two? One. Oh, right away. No, right not away. even any thought process behind that. Just throws No out. hesitation. Wow. The confidence is really admirable there. Mm -hmm. Like if you were thrown into the gauntlet of fire and you needed to make one choice. That's it. I mean, that was pretty, it's pretty do affirmative. You, do you know what it uh, really affirms though? Hmm. Just one, one thing. Our merch. It lasagna does. mathematics. <laughs> one lasagna plus one lasagna equals one lasagna. One plus one equals one. You, you're one of our favorites, Worm. Really, because we don't have a second design. We don't have one plus one equals two. No, we only have one plus one equals one. So, you know, really, and 
for you're going places <laughs> for everybody going to magic live you've got to get we well you know what we should put them on sale uh, yeah. this week so let's we're going to do a sale this week on all of our lasagna merch because we want to flood magic live with lasagna merchandise so if you are going to magic live make sure to pick up uh let us know that you're going to magic live we will try to rush order you your merch so that we can uh, see the f or maybe we'll just get it delivered to vegas for you so when you get to vegas you can pick it up um but uh so you can wear your lasagna merch at magic live and flood magic live with lasagna stuff worm are you going to magic live i am not not this year i know it has been in the past but you went on a different trip so uh yeah yeah he just so. got back from another trip which seemed very very awesome i still have to talk to you about it like seems uh seems like you had a great time i did yeah it was amazing Fiddlin' Johnny says that he will see us at Magic Live. I'm pumped for that. Fiddlin' yeah. Johnny, if we don't meet you in a lasagna or an all-access shirt, oof, yeah. boy. Keep in mind, it's been two and a half years. Isn't that insane? Two and a half years since Magic Live. Think about that. It's wild. No, it's going to be epic. Uh, it's going to be great, yeah. The, uh, what is it, the alligator bar? there is going to be is the alligator there's oh the mardi gras bar, bar. Yeah. yeah yeah the alligator one well, is there is an alligator one as well yeah it's yeah. one right in front of the theater i uh, feel like i feel like the yeah. alligator one is where people escape to if yeah. the mardi gras is getting too crazy yeah yeah but uh, yeah it's going to be absolutely bonkers bonkers i'm using that word bonkers uh and he says i'll be there with my lasagna shirt so nice. um but uh, <clears throat> it's going to be absolutely crazy because people have not seen each other in, like you said, two and a half years. And to get to see magic at a high level at a convention with, you know, a thousand people or so, it doesn't happen too often. So it, it's oh, great totally. to see that this back. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we I'm are, so for it. A lot of we are trying to run a lasagna eating contest while at Magic Live. So, um, do you like when we get we get deep and philosophical? <laughs> this is it. I had no idea how much you guys love lasagna. Oh, I mean, dude, it's a staple of everyone's diet, and if it's, it's not it's a real staple, you know, it is a winter food. Yeah, according to Doug McKenzie. According to Doug McKenzie, lasagna is a winter food. Only winter food, so it's a winter staple. <laughs> you know, I can't remember the last time I've eaten lasagna. Like literally, like oh, I I have one in my freezer. Wait. wait. <laughs> You don't remember the last time, although you have lasagna shirts, you have the lasagna question. He's going to be it's eating lasagna exactly. soon. In two weeks, he's going to be eating some lasagna. So. Dude, it's tough to find vegan lasagna places. Like, it's true. It's tough to find. I mean, as long as I could do cheeseless, but I feel like cheese is a main aspect. Yeah. So I got to find some good vegan cheese. Um, yeah, dude. asked if you will make the lasagna. but Dude, uh, I am one of the biggest non-lasagna eating fans <laughs> that's out there. <laughs> like of the fans, of the diehard lasagna fans, I'm, <laughs> I'm one of the, the, the top ones when it comes to non-lasagna eaters. Um, it's a real, it's a real uh, leaderboard. <clears throat> Tigger T says, and the song is the best part of the show. Uh, which I think we should probably just carry like an old school boombox around Magic Live with lasagna play. You just looped for ten hours. Just looped the whole time. It will be like a like Harrison Greenbaum's random number song. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. But yeah, so uh, I'll go. I'll go. I'll put those on on sale <laughs> right yeah. after this. 
Uh, or we know you're going to get one because, I mean, you came up. I love with lasagna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> Clearly. You, love it, you love it just as much as me. <laughs> Listen, I came up with an amazing recipe. Come on. That is oh, butternut squash lasagna. Or lasagna? No. <laughs> Four types of butternut squash. What if it was what if it was lasagna stuffed with stuffed shells? Ooh. A layer of stuffed shells in the a middle layer of lasagna. stuffed shells. Just throw it in there. It's the most like it's a Jenga game of lasagna. Like it's really not supposed to work. <laughs> so not is in there too. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The distance from lasagna makes the heart grow <laughs> See, uh I think you should say it lasagna. Yeah. Yeah. Lasagna. Um, yeah. So not only is the jingle uncomfortably long, but so is the entire lasagna segment. <laughs> yeah. But that's really like it because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just some prolonged eye contact. Yeah. It's like your fish looking at that house of cards every day. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. So now, <laughs> oh, so I saw this clip of Jay Schlatt. If anybody in the comments knows Jay Schlatt, I saw this clip of Jay Schlatt on uh, a podcast and he asked a question and it was for gamers. So he made the analogy between bacon and games or, or like the, the dichotomy. So now I'm going to try and um, instead of games, I'll say magic products. All right. So, would you rather have unlimited? <laughs> would you rather, all right, have <laughs> unlimited bacon and no game and no uh, no magic in your life? All right. Unlimited bacon, no magic. Or magic. Unlimited magic. And no magic. You mean no bacon? No bacon. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> Stupidest Unli thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Unlimited magic. And no magic. What? So, so we're, we're going well, to do this podcast by ourselves because that was the stupidest question of all time. <laughs> so uh, unlimited bacon. No magic. No, no magic tricks. Or unlimited ma magic and no bacon. No, no, no. Unlimited magic. <coughs> magic, right? Unlimited. And no magic. <laughs> This is what well, Blaze learned at uh, interviewing 101 class this, this week. This <laughs> week. Yeah. He learned, he's like, let's confuse the uh, guest. And... Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's not, <laughs> it's not no bacon. <laughs> uh, like, like Albert says. <laughs> is he taking his meds? Nah, man. All right, so, Worm, when you're counting, <laughs> do you count? Ryan, you want to take this one away? No, I'm not doing that. Uh, Lindsay said, would you rather be unlimited high or host this podcast? Host That's podcast. to you. Host yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, the, yeah, in the, in the original thing, the original question was unlimited bacon and no games or 
unlimited games and no games was the uh was the original question so basically it's forcing someone to choose bacon to choose bacon yeah 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 basically yeah how do you feel about bacon but i feel like the brave choose option too <laughs> i was gonna choose that because i i i just like the sound of unlimited magic period yeah and no magic that, that was, but, that but was also brutal. no magic I like the tunnel vision of just focusing on one thing unlimited magic yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, when we talked with Homer Leewag last week, he said that he's a very big procrastinator with his creations and he requires deadlines to get anything done. Do you uh, do you feel a similar way or are you pretty good with like kind of regimented, self-motivated in that sense? No, I think I, I think definitely deadlines for sure. I mean, you can get caught up in this this little thing and then you put it off to the side and then it's like, oh, this over here or, you know, oh, I got to make this gimmick for this person. So it it is. I think any anything successful like is is all about discipline because, I mean, you know, speaking of, I know someone talked about Elon in the, uh, I think in the in the chat there, but you know, it's like the person who works a hundred hours a week versus the person who works ten hours a week in terms of like mm. your hobby. I mean, that first person who works a hundred hours a week is ten years ahead of the person that that worked ten hours a week. So, yeah, I I, I think that. Uh, discipline is definitely super important and i think that everyone struggles with that for sure yeah. especially in today's culture yeah being yeah. focused with your creativity <clears throat> it's crazy i was watching a documentary just this afternoon on spacex uh and stuff and how elon it's they said it's incredibly hard to find people to work around him um, because like you said most people have a, a difficult time with discipline and making sure things get done and stuff but he's like the total opposite where he's like super hardcore wants to work all the time and stuff. And so he said it was really hard to find people to, to team up beside him that could just do the same workflow. But I mean, when we were talking to Homer last week, it seems like the same with Copperfield and Kenner and Homer, cause they, they said, you know, they never keep track of their hours cause they're just mm. constantly working and stuff. But, uh, but Homer at the same time said he needs a ton of deadlines just to, to make sure he stays focused on all that stuff. So, mm. but uh, yeah, I think that what that trans to, uh, translates to is you need accountability. You know, mm. yeah, and having a deadline, you're accountable at the very least to the deadline, but usually a deadline is linked to another other person as well. True. Yeah. 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 I feel like I will at first halfway through a creative project. The first half is the excitement of the new idea and getting started. And then the second half of motivation is the fear of not getting it done and the fear and the anxiety of failing <laughs> or letting people down, especially if I brought other people into the project. Then it's like, all right, I had that excitement that motivated me to get started. Now I need like the anxiety of not finishing this to, <laughs> to push me forward. Yeah, it's almost like you have to be more excited for the journey than anything else. Mm -hmm. You can't be excited about the beginning. You can't be excited about the end. You got to be excited about everything in between that. And that's what keeps you, I think, going. If I like look back at everything in my life, the times that were the most pleasing, but also the most difficult, but also like the best result was always being in the moment of that journey and not caring about the initial or the end. Because usually if I think about it, I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but any time I've ever been excited about the end result, it never either never happened or it never happened to the way I thought it was going to happen. So that's always been interesting to kind of look at and, you know, 
I kind of stopped thinking about the end result to everything at some point mm. years ago. And it made, it made everything much more enjoyable. Mm. So you're just living the artist's life then just keep creating and, and just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of creating is researching, you know, too. I mean, creating, I think is just even thinking, um, but I mean, listen, you can get caught up in, in, in the grind of, you know, making stuff for other people or getting involved too much in research or going down too much of a rabbit hole where something's not working and you, you just, you should just put that on hold for a second. So. Yeah. So here's the question. Cause I, obviously I know you're making all these gimmicks and new tricks and stuff like that. Do you focus on like when you, when you're creating something, is it the end goal that you're focusing on? And like, how do I create this? <laughs> do you see the end goal first or is it, you know, just trying to like playing around with things until something is figured out, if that makes sense. I think it's, there is a large part of reverse engineering, but I also think that when an idea hits and starts, it, then you don't really know the end result. Um, you kind of have to get there at some point. And a lot of, you know, tricks, it's like, oh, I've taken this as far as I can. And that's why people, when they're in the trailers, I've been working on this for 18 and a half years, you know? <laughs> there actually yeah. is some truth to that, obviously. But um, I think it's just a mixture of both. But I, but at the end of the day, I think reverse engineering, starting with the end result and going backwards is a little bit more my style in terms of, uh, it's not it's not very spontaneous it's a very methodical way where the other way you're kind of building forward and there's a lot of uh there's a lot more exploration i think it takes longer to get there or at least there's a probability that it takes longer to get to the end result mm. Char charlie said worm's a genius uh, worms, and he says this is gold so absolutely thank this you charlie a lot of gold nuggets this episode yeah if you were to give advice to someone like a, a kid, teenager, or whatever, that's trying to get into creating magic, like let's say they have a lot of ideas and they want to get started um, and they think that creating magic is right for them, what, where would you recommend they begin? Is it like growing your understanding and repertoire of what's already out there and what's been done, just playing around? Uh, what th gimmicks or things would you recommend they learn as fundamentals? How should someone get started? Yeah, I think that that's it. Like, if you're going to, like, let's just say back up and just talk about sleight of hand, right? The only way you're going to come up with your own moves and the only way you're going to advance in what you're doing is not saying you in particular, but what someone's doing is that you have to start there. I mean, so from a building standpoint or creating outside of sleight of hand, because, you know, creating sleight of hand is creation in itself, is that you have to dive into so much and trying your very best to spend as much time as you possibly can on this because if you creation i think one of it i think is um it, the bottom line is it can be learned it just depends you know like i don't like yes i can become a singer i'm not good at it by by nature but i can get good enough and i think the only way you get good enough is you practice and the only way to practice creating is not creating you first have to practice diving into every possibility that came before you and then going that route and thinking, saying, oh, here's string. And, you know, I don't know what we could say too 
general too much on here, but you know, getting familiar. You with, you want, yeah. yeah, getting familiar with principles, and honestly, asking around. I mean, it's it. it you're only going to go so far by yourself. So, you know, there in, in magic, it's kind of this. Oh, we can't really talk about this person going to steal my idea, or this person's not going to tell help me out. It's it just it's just about getting yourself out there and knowing everything you possibly can know. And granted, it's going to cost some money <laughs> to some degree, um, but also really interacting with the community and finding people you do trust and learning from them. I mean, if someone came to me, you're, you're, I'll, I'll take the question a little bit further. If someone, if some young person, or even regardless of young, but someone that wanted to create. You know, I have said things to people that I felt comfortable to strangers that would help them out. And they were really grateful. So it, it is contacting creators, too, and saying, hey, I'm working on that. If you're just going to ask some big question, but if you've done the research yourself to, to as far as you can, and someone was to come to me and ask a question, I definitely would divulge some type of information that mm -hmm. I would feel comfortable divulging, because then I would see that that person was truly interested. Mm -hmm you know absolutely yeah my favorite comment of the night came in oh that's a great comment from albert yeah tons of golden gold nuggets good thing we have blazed even things out that's what i'm here for man you know yeah. <laughs> i gotta that's, that's the best comment of the night i'm i'm like the i'm the tea by i'm the tea you hit the baseball off of you know yeah, like yeah. i'm good at setting up the gold nuggets and <laughs> then i fall on the ground and, yeah <laughs> Uh, you're just you're laying out the gold nugget i'm just picking them up ah see you know it's the hansel and gretel story i'm fattening <laughs> you up to make a stew uh, well you know robert hudan had um a really great thing that has stuck with me and it's something that i kind of live by and i would say to like a creator is really just getting in just understanding the human um psyche is really is really important to making something successful as far as the creation is understanding what is going to really get into that that human being and i think when just as it could be you know i don't want to get too deep but just as simple as taking their object you know like starting there like i want to do a trick where i use their object right their keys i mean it's simple but that's much more emotional than somebody using your, your own object. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I, I mean, Nicholas Lawrence has a good, a good quote that I really like about cards. He says, I don't do card tricks. I do tricks with cards. Mm -hmm. And it's kind it's kind of like, like that, I guess, is that you, you want to understand your spectator. And, and I think we all know when we perform for people, there are certain demographics, age, cultural demographics, where people react very differently. And there is this weird pattern. And being able to um, create or, or even to be able to even just curate the tricks you're doing for the right audience. And I'm not talking about parlor or stage or close-up. I'm literally talking about, I know that I'm walking into this wedding from this type of culture, mm -hmm. right? And how do these people are going to react to a transport, you know, a teleportation trick versus a, a, uh, an actual, let's say, a color change or something, mm. right? I think that that's um, something that is, uh, I don't think, talked about or, or really looked at. Because at the end of the day, creator or not, the key 
to any type of creativity is curation. If mm -hmm. you are not a geared curator, you're not going to pick your best work. So that's first and foremost. And the only way to become a good curator is to be vulnerable and get yourself out there and ask people. And that's really hard in magic because there's a lot of trust given when you share something, especially something mm -hmm. that you're working on or your idea. So getting in group with people that you trust and being vulnerable and being willing to ask for, you know, feedback and then being true to yourself of like, I don't care what it like, they don't think it's good. I do. Or being self-reflective and being like, you know what, they have a point. So that's kind of all in the mix there together. No, that's, that's so important. That's, that's definitely a, uh, another mic drop moment, man. That was a bam. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping oh. to I was hoping to see like uh what is it the Jerry Nuggets like playing cards spinning around or something. Oh yeah, that's a gold that's, nugget as well. Uh, no, well we don't have Jerry's Nuggets, but we do have Lasagna. And that's all we're here for. You that's know? our that's gold all nugget. that matters. That's so. our gold nugget. <laughs> we just drop lasagna bombs on people. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, no, that's absolutely true and it's like yeah, how do you become a, a good curator of magic without having a large understanding of what's out there and uh, and then, yeah, having people that you can trust that you actually respect their opinions? Because obviously there's going to be somebody out there that's going to hate on every magic trick that exists. So it's like you've got to have your group of people that you really value their opinions and then yeah. and then can share with, uh, share with the world. Yeah, I mean, listen, the mag magic is... Um, just like anything can be very difficult, but like when you're talking about social collaboration, you know, this, this is, this is a really weird industry compared to others because you're talking about a huge level of trust that you can't really protect. Mm. I mean, mm -hmm. and I get very paranoid over those things a lot. And I do have trusted people that I can go to that I'm very confident in that I feel very safe. And um, I think ultimately, as magic as secretive as it is, and even internally, you have to ask other people, you have to collaborate with other people. You have to, you're never gonna become to your full potential ever if you don't collaborate, ever. Yeah, yeah. Never Absolutely. gonna happen. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful to have people in my life, you know, creators, um, you know, I got three very close friends, uh, extremely close friends is Nicholas Lawrence and Ron Pink. Franco Pascali and, you know, loads of other people. I mean, Blaze, we spent a lot of time together of time person and, yeah. and on the phone. I mean, you know. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, especially when you were go leading up to cyber and things. Yeah, we were talking all the time. Um, yeah. But I trust you, you know, it's like I trust you. So anyways listening, like Blaze Sarah is a person to be trusted. <laughs> and because Ryan yeah. is as associated well. with Blaze, then Ryan, by default, I know that Blaze hangs around. Yeah. See, it's a good, yeah, we're all good people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we try. Unlimited magic. And Ryan's Canadian. And Canadian. So. And Ryan's Canadian. So it's all plus. Doesn't get any more you know, It's interesting to me, you know, you're ta uh, talking about, we probably shouldn't get into the weeds on this, but it's interesting. Like you and I will talk about spiritual uh, spirituality a lot on the phone and things. Um, and, uh, and it's interesting to me that 
in the past, you've made a lot of connections between spirituality and creativity, but you also tonight we're refer referring to it as like a, as a learned skill, like something that you can learn and practice and, and continue to refine. And so I think that's probably an interesting balance of like the head and the heart of like, you know, you have that part of you, that part of the creativity that is spiritual and just kind of ideas come to you and there's inspiration and it's beautiful. But then there's also like the, the craft of it that you can continue to improve and progress like any skill so i just thought that was a an interesting thought that you know came to mind because of your you know expounding on it yeah no i mean i um i totally agree it's it's just uh, it's all a marriage and at the end of the day i, I think i just swear by um it, it it nothing can be discounted and everything works in tandem with each other so i just i'm the type of person that as, as as critical as I can be behind the scenes or, or, or in person, um, everything that's out there has some type of validity to it and has something to offer. So when I see things in the magic community as a whole where people are dissing things generally, whether it's like, oh, we can't be learning magic or, you know, it's like we don't do magic for magicians and all this stuff. It's like or social media or remember mm -hmm. even the big thing when I first started getting back into magic is like gimmicks are horrible. So it's like everything has its, has its place and everything is valid. I, re I remember I was talking through the Global Magicians you know, interviews, I was talking to uh, a young guy who has a very large following, a magician, and he says, listen, he goes, my demographic is 12 year olds. That's why my content, as far as magic, is geared towards that. Hmm. And that was one conversation that really opened my mind up to the, the possibilities of like, there's mm. way more than what I think should be best for magic or what I think mm. people should be doing. Because listen, we all, anyone that's has some experience in magic, we know how difficult kids magic is, okay? Mm. Like that's literally an entire separate category that th those people that do that, I have a really high respect for. Totally not my style, right? Totally mm. not my style. Totally uninterested in creating a kid's yeah. channel though. You know, obviously I'm open to any type of creation, but that's a perfect example of something that I highly respect, that I highly revere, so amazing, but has nothing to do with me at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm the same. I always give those guys props because, <laughs> you know, I think all of us have probably done one kid's show in our lives and then said, I remember the kid's show where I said never again. <laughs> yeah. And you leave because the child is like, turn this into a shoe, make this, dis make this disappear. And it's like, like you do one French drop and then everything in the room can disappear, right? It's like and kids can figure out tricks. No, it's unbelievable. It's yeah. it blows my mind. How... I always I always liked when you did it like a color change or whatever, and they're like, it's easy, you just shake the card. And like the adults in the room are like blown away, but the kids yeah. are not impressed. They're like, it's easy, you just shake the card and they change. It's easy. Gosh. Yeah. And they just don't care. And it's yeah. like it's like, give yourself a few years, kid, and this will be insane to you, yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, you have to but, understand what's possible yeah. to know that something is crazy and impossible. If you don't yeah. have like a, a set of bounds like for what can happen, then like, yeah, yeah then nothing's going to be that crazy. So, yeah, you're right that like, yeah, utmost respect for kids performers not interested in being one. Yeah, but it is good to know, like I always said that too with, with social media stuff is like, 
the content isn't for magicians most of the time. It's for the general public and an age demographic that's not us. And, and we have to respect that and go, yeah, instead of trashing it all the time, go, it's, it's not for us. So, you know, instead of, exactly. you know, magicians have a hard time. We like to critique everybody else's magic when, again, like you said, it's for the, the end viewer. And even though we're the end viewer, we're kind of the inside side viewer of magic because we know how things are working. So we, we always have the behind the curtain look at it. But it's, yeah, it's... It's, it's just knowing who the demographic is and, and not trashing people for that. So, yeah. yeah, I have no problem teaching magic when it comes to money or teaching magic for free that are classic stuff that has been around for 100 years or even 40 or 50 years, as long as it's not a product. But, um, but at the same yeah. time, I am extremely sensitive to reveal videos online hmm. as far as like yeah. general public. That, that's something that... I don't see in a place for everything mm -hmm. else I see a place for even like the overacting and the whole like, you know, acting, this person knows the truth, you know, that that has its place because at the end of the day that happens on TV, right? Anyone to criticize social mm -hmm. media where the person's acting or so the person's in on the trick, as long as you do it good, as long as you do it very yeah. good, yeah. person's in on the trick, then why is that any different than a stooge at a show? Or someone mm. on a TV program that that's a stooge. You know, it, it, there is no difference. Hopefully, hopefully, the acting is better on TV with right. the programs you're watching. Than well, that's what I mean. Like doing yeah. it, doing it good. Where yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes um, it's pretty rough to watch. I saw Tigger wrote something really long. Yeah, she, oh yeah. Uh, she was asking if um, you're cool with people uh, doing things on things like AGT, where a ton of people will see it. Uh, but uh, especially if they butcher to the point of where it's exposed. Okay, like, so it's yeah, like something you've created, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Britain's Got Talent, um, magician um, did cyber on there. And, you know, like it was presented in a way where, you know, uh, it had to be presented. It wasn't butchered or anything, but um, no, I felt really good. You know, I had a couple of people call me and said it and I saw it and it was it was great. Um, now, if it was butchered. What's the question about that? Um, <laughs> so as a creator, how would you feel about someone it, doing it? Yeah, where it's exposed. I have a mixed feeling about that because I really think that every I mean, everything happens for a reason. So. If it was exposed, right, I could maybe people would buy it. I don't know. Right. So then it benefits me in a way. Right. And if it's exposed, is that going to, you know, again, bad press is good press kind of thing. Right. But no, I think generally speaking, no, like it definitely would. I would be upset about it, but I would have to know in my mind that there's a reason for this and cross my fingers. Hopefully something good comes of this. Mm. But. But no, it was great seeing it on Britain's Got Talent, for sure. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be pretty rewarding to go like, hey, I created that. And, you know, someone across the world is doing it. Yeah, yeah no. It's great, you know? I mean, to see Shin sh show and see something that I built. And, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a great – it really is. It's a great feeling. And um, um, But, again, I feel like the beginning is, um, is like – it's just a little bit more rewarding. It's just mm. everything else is on the icing on the cake. It really is. Yeah. And, and, um, 
I, I haven't always felt that way about everything I've done though. You know, I've mm-hmm. seen the difference of getting excited over the, 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 the validation or the end result. And I've felt really fulfilled more in even before that ever happening. So, um, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So everybody in the comments, just get excited about the process. Get excited about the journey. Get excited about the idea. Don't worry about what happens after that. No, it's true. Your it's true. No, we, we, listen, we all want to be the best and, and everything to be amazing. We all want to be rich and fair. Not, maybe not all of us, but like, you know, listen, at the end of the day, if I think about this, is we're all chasing the same thing. We just think that we can get to it for, in different ways. You know, yeah. this person wants these X, Y, and Z things, and this is what's going to fulfill them. And then this person is, all. if I get all of this, then this, this, and this is just going to, but ultimately it's all the same thing. And we just think we're going to get it in the way that appeals to us. Mm. So. And really being being a magician, we what's the end result we all really want? We want the, the spectator to get a great experience. And some people like that from an egotistical standpoint. Some people like that because they get to watch themselves. I mean, I remember I've seen tricks and and I got so excited over and I've put them in my repertoire as far as like at parties or new people I meet. And when I perform that trick that totally excited me when I first saw it, I'm getting so excited that they get to experience what I experienced years Mm. previous. And that is so amazing to be able to have that really. It's truly a gift. I mean, I mean, you know, it's like you're, you're doing a show in New York city, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. right? Yeah. Speakeasy. Yeah. I mean, how rewarding is that? I mean, mean, oh, absolutely. It's very rewarding, especially, uh, being able to go in knowing like, oh, I put so much of myself into the routines that I'm performing, like what you were talking about, like that, you know, get being able to visualize something and be like, this is the scene I see in my mind of how I want these people to feel and the, what I want them to experience. And then like two years, three years or whatever later after you had that idea, being able to actually see it play out in front of you in real life where you're giving people that experience is really awesome. Um, and then obviously because it's something that you've created, you get that a- added bonus of being able to like take pride in it and go like, you know, I, uh, I don't care who sees this, whether it's a, you know, random audience member off the street or another magician, you know, then they'll appreciate it, you know, for different reasons, but, you know, but I like, you know, get to share it with them. For example, tomorrow I'm performing for uh, Drac Del Guido. <laughs> Tell me. Drac Del Guido. I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, no, Derek Del Gaudio. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. like, he's going to be in the right? audience. Yeah. So be... tomorrow performing for Derek Delgadio and Eric Mead. And, uh, and I'm excited too. It's amazing, yeah, man. Awesome. It's amazing. Uh, nice stuff. So it'll be a, it'll be a fun time, but yeah, it's like, I'm, I always get so excited when I hear that there are magicians in the audience and sometimes some of the other performers, it, it depends on like what performer at speakeasy, but some of the performers will be like, Oh, there's a magician at this table and we'll talk about it in like a in a you know not enthusiastic way of like oh you know it sucks that there's a magician at this table they're gonna be a jerk or there's like the people that are like oh i'm so excited that there's a magician here they're gonna appreciate it for a whole other reason so i usually always get really excited for performing for magicians but anyways that's a side note you're totally right that like when you when you get to finally see that moment come to life that you saw in your head a while before it's like you know it's nothing like it yeah 
feel like I feel like this is a very solid point to uh, start wrapping I, up. I had this on. I thought that was a really great third gold nugget. Third so many gold nuggets. Right. That I mean, someone said earlier uh, a minute ago. Uh, who was it? Oh yeah, getting metaphysical, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is great. I think we've we've dove into some. Not, I don't want to say deep things, but we got pretty deep in the in the aspect of thinking about creating and mm. and viewing magic from from not only the creator side, the performer side, the the audience side as well, mm. which I which I think is really really awesome. So yeah, and how uh, they all work harmoniously. Yeah. We're harmoniously like two lasagnas combined into one. Into one. <laughs> and that, my friends, is a gold nugget. That's it. Uh, Albert said uh, record for gold nuggets. Um, Maybe. I'm not sure, we got to look back on that. But No, our, our nugget is not still magic after dark. It says all access right there, baby. All access. Come on, Tigger. Um, but... <laughs> uh thank you so much worm for joining us you've been absolutely awesome uh we we never tell our guests how long the episodes are going to be uh so we're we're just over two hours so thank you so much for committing that much time uh and coming on and chatting with us we know the episodes get crazy and goofy but uh but thank you for sticking along and giving some fantastic advice to people watching so hopefully everybody's writing stuff down and really thinking about the stuff that you said tonight because uh because yeah, it's, it's a it's lot of really cool. great insights. Yeah, thank you guys for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I I love talking to other people and to get me a platform to be able to share some of my stuff. I just really super grateful. Really serious. Oh, well, last quick thing: where can people find you on Instagram? Um, yeah, it's a uh, Worm TV. The letters T and V, so Worm TV. Or you can hit up Global Magicians, and uh, you can find me. On either of those, but Global Magicians, if you're not following, we uh, post a lot of great nice page. good magic and very uh, supportive. Yeah. Global Magicians is the best. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We've had an absolute blast. We hope that you guys did as well. Uh, if you're one of our patrons, get uh, get our patrons get ready for the weekly patter coming up to you mm -hmm. this week uh, and some other crazy announcements, and including games night. Yeah, uh, games night real soon. So join the Patreon if you'd like to be a part of games night, and uh, and we'll see you next week. With oh, hang on, week twenty two, Saturday. I'm gonna know if I'm having a boy, my wife's having a boy or a girl. So, dude, that's so you cool. guys will know next week. You guys will know next week. The dude. patrons will know ahead of time. Patrons so uh, become a patron, and you'll get to find out early. So, uh, so exciting. <laughs> thanks so, so much, awesome, guys. Man. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, guys, for joining. We'll see you guys next time. See you next, guys. Peace. Peace.